from destruction and you're listening to the fantastic yeah. podcast with Vincent. Enjoy. I'm Tyler listening to Phantasm, the podcast that sells horror movies and metal together with your host, Corey Gorchrist and Dr. Vincent West. Get your movie collection ready and follow along as they review the latest restoration of cult classic horror films and interview the sickest bands in metal. Sell the metal! Sell the metal! Sell the metal! Sell the metal! Broadcasting from an abandoned morgue in an undisclosed location and blood streaming everywhere, this is Bad And now your despicable hosts. What the fuck is up and welcome to the Phantasm Podcast. I'm Corey Gorkreitz with me, Dr. Vincent West. Hello, hello, good evening, good evening. Man, it's it's good to see you out. It's good to see you it's in really, Transylvania 1804. It's good to see you out, man. Uh, amazing fucking episode we got for you today. We got Schmear once again from Destruction on the podcast. We got Born to Perish. Came out August 9th. If you guys don't have that record, definitely go pick it up. Uh... It's just a fucking kick-ass record. Shmir's always a uh, good dude, and the doctor did his uh, second interview with him. It was a lot Very of cool. Very cool, yeah. guy. Very cool. And um, the movie we have, this is a very special one, and I think uh, you all will enjoy it. Whoever uh, has this at home, definitely do your thing. Pop it in. Watch it with us as we go along. Uh, but, Doctor, what do we what do we got from the Or world? legally download it if you have to. You're probably going to have to. Or right. find it streaming somewhere, actually, maybe. Yeah. But, um, we have The Seven Golden Vampires. The Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires from Hammer Productions, one of my favorite films from one of my childhood, uh, known in America as The Seven Brothers Meet Dracula. <laughs>
seven-year-old monster disintegrate before your eyes as the seven brothers and their one sister meet Dracula. Yep, this is how I remembered as a kid. Now we're watching the, and both versions are on this Scream Factory Blu-ray, which is very nice. If you can't find it, it's there. It's in the bonus features if you want to watch the U.S. cut. We are actually watching the uh, U.K. cut to keep it old school. Yeah, there's a Legend uh, of the Seven Golden Vampires, uh, 1974, it's the the ninth and final Hammer Dracula uh, film. So um, it's released in the U.S. by Diamond Inter- Entertainment in '79. So it came out in '74 overseas. Came out. Uh, 79 in the U.S. Uh, it was also known as the Seven Brothers of Their One Sister Meet Dracula, or Sister Meet Dracula. Uh, in the Far East, it was Dracula and the, and the Seven Golden Vampires. Um, let's see. Uh, it's notable for having other than Chris Lee. Oh, yeah. We got the, I just got that. Doctor Show Me the Horror of Frankenstein, and too. That's, be shush on this one, but... Yeah, Hell Comes to Frogtown. Love that. They put that out, man. It's so, so cool. You can only get that UK before, but... I just got it. Is it Vinegar that put that out? It is. Yeah, vinegar Syndrome. Shout out to you guys. Hell Comes to Frogtown's awesome, man. That's a hell of a cult film. Roddy Piper's the shit. And that doesn't really get much credit, so it's cool that they finally put that out. And the chick from Conan the Barbarian, so mm-hmm. it's fun. Um, yeah, more about this film. Christopher Lee was not Dracula in this film. Nope. It was played by John Forbes Robertson. Um... But Which the voice, see here the voice is dubbed by uh, David D. Kaiser, who was, um, I guess, mid '60s. He was like a writer and actor. Yep. And uh, let's see, they acted together again. Uh, Jane Arden. They worked with worked with each other a couple times. Um, it was set in London. Featured music by Procol Harum. A movie called Separation. Uh, that's pretty cool. He's done some weird shit, like uh, Voice of the Grail and Excalibur. Uh, Unseen Which is amazing. It's so fucking of, cool. He did a voice uncredited in Vampire Circus. Um, Another Hammer yeah. movie, I have. He's done a lot of voice work and shit. Um, let's see. Uh, before His voice can also be heard on the trailer, included in DVD releases for The Dark Crystal. So that's pretty awesome. Uh, little... Little the original kids, not that new Netflix thing. Right, which I haven't heard much about that. But uh, Peter Cushing is in this film, um, which is awesome. Yes, he is. He's fucking my favorite. A lot, a lot of people, and I love Christopher Lee, but for me, if Cushing's in it, I'm buying it. Oh, fuck yeah. And and as a kid, no contest. I don't know why I was drawn to him. I love Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee is Dracula to me, but yeah. Cushing, oh, he's such a... A cinematographist in this, uh, the main one anyway, is John Wilcox, and he was uh, he's done things like uh, The Evil of Frankenstein, The Skull, which we did way back in the early beginnings of Phantasm with good old Dallas. Uh, he also did, uh, let's see, this one, then he did The Ghoul, he did The Hound of Bakersfields, too. Which I love. <clears throat> yeah. And then uh, another guy credited as, a, as the guy that edited this movie... There's two people that are on here that aren't the real people. There's a Chris, there's a Rick Baker, but it's not the Rick Baker, some British guy. Well, now let me tell you a little bit about that Rick Baker. And I knew as soon as we saw him who he was. He is a, and he is. It, mm-hmm. It's not like like you and I would usually laugh at this, but he literally is like an authoritarian on Hammer stuff. It's cool though. He is very cool. He's a cool dude. Yeah. And then uh, the God, ed- Prince beautiful. I haven't looked at this yet. Sorry. The guy that edited this film goes by the name of Chris Barnes. 
but I assume it's not. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's not the Chris Barnes, but it's it's funny. Well, that's like I've been watching Frasier with wheelchair fucker, and every night we watch it. You know, <laughs> you've been really fucking into that show. Yeah, it's great because I never watched his kids, so it's like I watch Cheers and his characters. From that, but just yeah. just a side note about it though, but it, every episode's like produced by Christopher Lloyd, but it's not Christopher Lloyd, right? And it's funny when he sees it's a different like that, Christopher you know? Lloyd, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, this print looks amazing, and if you, you know, we watched, uh, before we started this, the early trailer of it, like the original one in its form, you know, from like... Can I tell you a fun story about this 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 print just looks, I mean... Here's a fun story for you Star Wars fans out there about this movie. Literally, and I know this because I'm a huge hammer whore geek, if you want to know how I found this out, just hit me up sometime on social media, I'll be happy to answer it for you. True story about this movie. So when this finally got it, its its debut in America, yeah, I thought this was so cool. Cushing was visiting Lucas in California, and they snuck off to a fucking drive-in and watched this in his car. It's amazing. George Lucas is a huge hammer whore. That is why Chris Lee, Lee Cushing—they're all in this. And and if you guys, I tell you, the best part of horror is discovering the hammer stuff. In my opinion, it's the best. Yeah, it's, Star it's, Wars it's, it's is so fucking cool. Lee's name was Count. It was Count fucking Count Dooku. Yeah, yeah Count so he's like it's Count Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, and Van Helsing and him. It's together. It's amazing. Oh, two different times. One, you know, uh, Peter Cushing died unfortunately before he brought Chris Lee in with the prequels, but it was still a good nod where he had. No, it's so, great. You know, a lot of respect for that, and even for you know, you, you hate J.J. Abrams. He made a subtle nod to the Phantasm. I thought that was really cool. So. No man, look, the, he the gets little, all the yeah. he gets love from me for anything. Plugging. Little little subtle horror nods are pretty nice to these big time movies, and you know, yeah, this print looks cool, man. I, I dig it. And if, for any Hammer authoritarian that doesn't know this already, you probably already do. I'm preaching, you know, to the choir here, but they are releasing. Scream Factory has acquired the rights to some of the best stuff, and yeah. my favorite Hammer movie comes out. Um, it comes out in October, mm-hmm. and The Devil Rides Out. I finally get me a Blu-ray yep. copy of it. And I, finally, and if you guys don't know about that, uh, it's just look up the trailer for it. I'm, yeah. I'm talking too much about Hammer. I'm sorry. It's amazing. No, no, we're this is it right here. Um, so I guess. For Altering the Future, we'll go into 74, because that's when it was first released. We can do well, 74. we can have fun with 74. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. For the movies alone. Um, so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think we'll do 74. Do it for the Doctor, too. If he likes that year. I like that year. Because 79 is when it came out in the U.S., but we'll, you know, we'll give it to the U.K. Well, now, you, you know what? Why don't we... Do we have time to do both? Yeah, I can run through them both if you want. You can do the same with the music. Okay, let's do it. Probably less, but we'll we'll kick off uh, altering the future here for you guys. We'll take you back into the time of 1974 and 1979. It's probably a first on Phantasm, honestly, where we've... I don't know if we've done that before, so this will be a lot of fun. There's a lot of really good movies. 79 is going to be a blast for yeah. movies. And, and, yeah. And, and what are we starting with? Uh, we'll do we'll do the movies. I'm gonna pull it up here. No, no, no. I mean, we, what year are we doing first? Seventy four. Okay, we'll go ahead and run through it. Oh well. <laughs> Chuck's not having a good day today. Come on, Chuck. I'm trying to channel my inner fucking darkness here. All right. Well, Chuck's not having a good time, so <laughs> he's like altering the podcast. All right. There's a lot of good horror that came out in seventy four. Um, Let's see. We'll just get right into this this bad boy here. 
you know, I always try to do the horror last. Um, so we'll start off with a really good 1974 movie and a badass fucking Sean Connery movie, Murder in the, on the Orient Express. Wow, yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a good one. Uh, Godfather Part 2. You got Death Wish, fucking Charles Bronson. Nasty. It's good stuff. You got Foxy Brown. Good Pam movie. Greer, another... Uh, Badass uh, Sean Connery movie. You got, or uh, sorry, Burt Reynolds movie. You got Longest Yard, Good the movie. OG. You got James Conn and The Gambler. It's a good fucking movie. Um, let's see what else we got. One of my favorite movies to come out that year for sure is uh, Man with the Golden Gun. Oh, James so. Bond, fucking Roger Moore, and another, another, Lee. another hammer nod, Christopher well, Lee, baby, because. The director of that movie was a huge Hammer fan. Yep. So. It was just flowing at this time. Uh, the Great Gatsby. Most people have to watch that turd in school. I never really cared for it, but it's all right. Arabian Nights. That was big then. I like the remake better. With yeah, you. the remake was good. Yeah. No. Um, I'm just really stalling. I really want to get into the horror shit. It's so fucking good. Do it, do um, it, do it. You don't have to do that. <laughs> I'm going to see if there's anything else here. I'm 74. Oh, uh, Blazing Saddles. One of the best comedy films ever made so good Cleavon Little you got uh, Lenny du- by du- uh, from, with Dustin Hoffman for any fans of Dustin Hoffman out there there you go um, trying to see what else we got he apparently has the same birthday as me yeah Dustin Hoffman just uh, weird Chinatown was big when I came out I don't know if I said that sure. already um, let's get right into it for the horror movies fuck it we got a shit ton of them um, and of course, save the best for last. But we got uh, Black Christmas. Um, we got Deranged, which we've done on here. That was one of our early ones. I love that movie. Solo, solo stuff. Um, we got Frightmare. Not the one that we've done. Have we done Frightmare? This, there's two different Frightmares. This isn't the. I don't think we've done. <clears throat> I don't think we've done either of them. But either way, Frightmare '74, not the. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, Let sleeping corpses lie. There's the man. Oh yeah, there's Peter Cushing, baby Van Helsing. He looks fucking great right there. Um, you got the House of Seven Corpses. That's with, a good movie. That's with John Carradine. That's a very good movie. Yeah. Uh, you got Madhouse. That's a Vincent Price thing. <laughs> yep, Vincent Price, Peter Cushing. That's really good. Uh, let's see. Yeah, he plays Paul Toombs. Uh, Ends a scandal his fiance dies under mysterious circumstances, freed from the mental it's hospital awesome. where he's been committed. The recovered tombs and screenwriter Herbert Flay, which is Peter Cushing, intend to reveal his most popular character, Dr. Death, uh, which is uh, the doctor's grandfather, uh, for a television series. But the dead bodies start piling up, all of them killed in ways to mimic the victims in the films. Which uh, sounds like a fun movie called Scream that totally ripped that off, but, <clears throat> you know, anyway. Uh, there's a lot of movies <laughs> yeah. that came out in the 90s that took that took from that movie and a lot of the the horror films of Vincent Price had had a lot to do with that kind of thing like the just crazy murder uh you know murder mystery shit it's had a damn legend awesome um legend keeps on legend everybody it's fucking amazing uh the thirsty dead we got uh my favorite Godzilla movie it's uh, Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla that's a good one and uh another we got Legacy of Satan Seed of Vengeance uh See Frankenstein and the Monster from Hell. That, that one had that Peter Cushing. A, that's, a, that's a Hammer movie. There's another Star Wars nod. It had a guy named David Prowse in that who played the monster, and that is the guy is in the that Darth. Not a hammer thing? Yeah, 
But David Prowse is the guy who's in the Vader costume for Star Wars. And, uh, yeah, so it's got that uh, Star Wars nod within a horror thing, so that's pretty cool that it's got Darth Vader in there, at least the guy behind the, the suit, not, uh, of course, James Earl Jones did the voice of Vader, but, you know, there's a lot of that. <clears throat> that that's pretty cool that that's tied into it. Um, we also got It's Alive. That is a good movie. I've got that box set with all those sequels in it screen put out. Yeah, yeah, and actually you can find it at FYE right now. They're bringing out a lot of that shit. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And then uh, the best film to come out in 1974, one of the best horror films ever made, one of the best movies ever made, arguably, and uh, from one of the best directors, in my opinion, and that is The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. 74, baby. <clears throat> oh, yeah, so good. Well, that'll wrap up that. So why don't you do uh, 74 for the music? And then I've got it pulled up. To, yeah, I've got it pulled we'll up bounce right here. bounce to 79 after that, and we'll just do it that so, way. So got a bunch so, of stuff here. So that wraps up uh, the films from 74. We're going to do the music, and then we'll head on to 79. Have some fun here with this. There. This is this is going to be fun. Well, we got Look at that. Look at that bat bling. That's fucking tight as shit. First one, I'm, I'm shouting out to Whoa. wheelchair fucker. Uh, King's, King Crimson Red. Yep. Um, and then uh, the rest of the stuff, I'm just going to start naming stuff. Rock and Rolla from Judas Priest. Hell yeah. Um, rock and Roll Animal from Lou Reed. I love Lou Reed. I don't yeah. know why. Um, it's only Rock and Roll from the Stones. you got to love the Stones. The Stones are touring right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's ridiculous. Um, Deep Purple, Stormbringer. Amazing. Um, Scorpions Fly to the Rainbow. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Kristen. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> that was necessary. It was good. Uh, self-titled Bad Company, great album. Yep. Um, uh, Harder Than Hell from Kiss. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mr. Borger there. Yeah, that's a good one. Um... Hell on the Mountain Grill from Hawkwind. I don't know if Lemmy's on that or not. He's on one. I don't remember. If that's I'm going to give him a shout out anyway because he was in the fucking band. Fuck yeah. Uh, self-titled Rush record. I hate that record, but I'll give it a shout out just because it's Rush. Because it sounds like Led Zeppelin. Yeah, it does. Uh, Apostrophe from Frank Zappa. Great record. Love him. Burn from Deep Purple. Another great album. Featuring David Coverdale. Hell yeah. Leonard Skinner, Second Helping. <laughs> Say what you will about it. It's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, Jackson Brown, Late for the Sky, singer-songwriter. I like him. I like more of his later stuff, but running on empty and shit like that, but whatever. Uh, Too Much Too Soon from the New York Dolls. Uh, Bridge of Sighs from Robin Trower. Um, Country Law from Roxy Music, uh, which would become very popular in the 80s. Get Your Wings from Aerosmith, which is a really good album. Diamond Dogs from David Bowie. Uh, Taking Tiger Mountain from Brian Eno. Kind of snobbish music there. Throw a little hipster stuff at you. <laughs> Pretzel Logic from Steely Dan. Which Chevy Chase, Jeff Goldblum were members of. And mm-hmm. Peter Weller were all members of that band at one time. Wow. Not on that album. I'm not saying that. Right. Yes, Relayer. Amazing shit. Uh, <clears throat> Queen 2. Yeah. Queen Sheer Heart Attack. Amazing. Uh, 461 Ocean Boulevard from Eric Clapton. The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway from Genesis, and then my number one album from that year, Secret Treaties from Blue Oyster Cult. Awesome. 
All right. It's fucking bitching. Boy. <clears throat> gonna try Let's Chuck see. again for 79. <laughs> yeah, maybe we maybe Chuck owes us one because that was a little bit. Come on, Chuck. He was like drunk or something. I don't know what his deal was. 1979. He's like, uh, future. Like, come on, dude. I'm trying to channel this here. Love you, Chuck. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, fucking shit. He even, he even cut us short on the fucking music, too. He was just being a fucking, just being a fucking penis. Yeah, he was not wanting to cooperate. All right, uh, I'm going to start off right here. 1979 films. We always do, you know, the other shit first. Um, this is for the doctor right here, The Jerk, 1979. We got, uh, let's see, the, the, the Muppet movie was 79. God, I love it. 1941, John Belushi, Dan Aykroyd, Robert Stack. Fucking amazing, uh, great movie. You got uh, the first film with uh, that Bill Murray did with uh, Ivan Reitman, and that's Meatballs, nineteen seventy nine. Great movie. Uh, you got Life of Brian, Monty Python. You got the Bugs Bunny Roadrunner movie. I fucking love it. Uh, Rock and Roll High School, which the Ramones, and had fucking PJ Souls uh, talk to her about that on interview we did. It's up on Spotify and YouTube. All that bullshit. Uh, Got the Frisco Kid, just Gene Wilder, and fucking Harrison Ford. <clears throat> it's fucking hilarious. Um, Richard Pryor live in concert. I'll give him a nod. Um, oh God, are you kidding me? These yeah. are fucking. Got Americathon, which has had John Ritter. Uh, he tried to bail out the country with the telethon or whatever. This was like set in eighty uh, nineteen ninety eight in the movie. But it was narrated by George Carlin, so that's a double nod to Ritter and Carlin. Love them both. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Jack Trooper. Yeah. Uh, what else we got here? Some of the... There's also some of my favorite movies came out this year. I mean, just amazing stuff. So let's really see any more uh, comedy ones. So we're going to get into the drama. We got some Escape from Alcatraz. Love that movie. One of my favorite Clint Eastwood movies. <clears throat> yeah, it's good stuff. And, uh... Let's see... You got Rocky Two, love it. Apollo Creed, Carl Weathers, it's good stuff. That's um, yeah, uh, about it for that too. Uh, let's see. Got Star Trek the motion picture, love it. And here's some of my favorite movies that came out '79 right here. You got Mad Max, love it. My favorite James Bond film, Moonraker. It's so good. I love that fucking movie. Uh, Black Stallion's good shit. It's, good shit. No, it's yeah, good. It's, it's good. It's good. It's good. Um, you had a Dracula movie come out. It was Jan Francis was Van Helsing, and Count Dracula was uh, Frank Langella. It's just called. Oh, it's just it's the Universal Dracula. Or it was Mina Van Helsing was Jan. They're about to put that out on Professor uh, Van Helsing was Lawrence Oliver. Uh, yeah, it was the '79 Dracula. Yeah, they're about to put the screams about to put that out. It's pretty cool. It's worth it. It's a little slow, but it's frankly jealous fun. Oh, yeah. Fucking better Skeletor. And let's see, uh, the last one I'll do for the normal films, not horror, is The Warriors. Fucking oh. awesome. So goddamn good. And then jumping into the horror, we got some greats right here. Uh, I'll just start out with the big one. We got The Amityville Horror, 1979. So good. With good old James Brolin, Margot Kidder. Can't go wrong with all that. It's a perfect movie. 
The Brood, David Cronenberg. Which Love it. We, we did watch that. that. We did I don't it. know if we did it for a podcast. I think we just watched it one night because I don't remember it being on an episode. I think that was one of our scrapped ones. You guys, you know, might have to, uh, you know, get a. Might have to put that one up eventually. Uh, zombie, Lucio Fulci. It's fucking nasty. Oh, um, it's great. Got fucking the OG Alien. Shout out to Chris from Eternal Bleeding. He's like obsessed with that film. So <laughs> that one's for you, brother. Uh, <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, it is good. It's amazing. <clears throat> uh, you got Prophecy. They're about to put the Blu-ray of that out. I've already pre-ordered it. It's a really we'll have to watch it. On yeah, it's a good yeah, one. We need to. Uh, Salem's Lot. Love it. It was good. Uh, you got Savage Weekend. Love it's it. Like I've got it on slasher. Blu-ray. I've yeah. got it. Uh, the Victors. Kena Lober put that Savage Weekend out. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Let's see. Uh, There's some weird ones on here. But we'll go to the the, uh, the Visitor. got to mention that one, too. That one had Lance Henriksen. Yeah, that's a weird movie. It is weird, but... You know, it's one of those little things. No, it's not bad. It's just weird. You got The Butterfly Murders. That's a weird one. It's almost like an action film, but... Um, the last two here... Got the Driller Killer. Which I still have a steelbook that was given to me by you, sir. Yep. Oh, yeah. Happy birthday. I guess I'll mention uh, the the Nosferatu the Vampire film also. Um, people that like that shit. That was just a weird movie for me to watch, but it was good. And then the final one, 1979, for most of you people, you've already known since before I uh, started doing this list for this year that uh, this would be on here and I'll save it always for last is is a film that culminates this whole thing and uh, you know it's just a it's it's my favorite horror movie of all time and that is Phantasm 79 baby <clears throat> yeah <clears throat> so yep and then we'll go back to the doctor now for the music of 1970 I want to do a shout out to something real quick that is not related to any of this but it, it did release on this day that we're recording on yeah Dawn of the Dead was hit theaters today. It's true. I want to just mention that. Uh, So I did something different for 1979. I'm going to do two different genres for you. First, we're going to start out with punk albums from 1979, when punk was actually real. Mm -hmm. So we've got Joy Division, Unknown Pleasures, London Calling from the Clash, Gang of Four Entertainment, Machine Gun Etiquette from The Damned. Hell yeah. Singles Going Steady, Buzzcocks, mm-hmm. Public Image Limited, Metal Box, The Germs, uh, and it's just a, I don't know if that's supposed to be G.I. in parentheses or what that's supposed to be. Anyway, The Slits, Cut, uh, Teenage Warning from Angelic Upstart, 154 from The Wire, Fear of Music from Talking Heads, mm. Another Kind of Blues from the UK Subs. A different kind of... I don't know what the rest of the title is because it's going to show me from the Buzzcocks. Uh, <clears throat> Duty Now for the Future from Devo. Love Devo. Nice. Uh, Dragnet from The Fall. And Life in a Day from Simple Minds. Uh, Dawn of the Dickies from The Dickies. Nice. The Great Rock and Roll <clears throat> Swindle from the Sex Pistols. 
Look Sharp from Joe Jackson, which I still love. Is she really going out with him? Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, That's amazing. Generation X, Valley of the Dolls, which mm-hmm. would be Billy Idol's band. Yep. Uh, the Birthday Party, Door Door. Wow. Uh, this is some stuff I grew up with. Yeah. Blondie Eat to the Beat. It's Alive from the Ramones. Mm-hmm. And then last but not least, Nervous Breakdown from Black Flag. Amazing. Now, we're going to switch over to hard rock slash metal stuff from 79. This will just take me a second. 79. Oh, yeah. All right, here we go. Anybody that knows me knows what my number one album this is going to be. All right. Let me back up a little bit here. I'm going to wind it down. Got some good stuff here. Uh, Quite Right 2, which has got um, Randy Rhodes on it. Mm-hmm. Harder and Faster from April 1. Uh, Journey Evolution, which is a very On Parole from Motorhead. Uh, self titled album from Axe. The self titled album from Accept. Samson Survivors, which featured Bruce Dickinson. Dynasty from Kiss. Self titled Saxon from Saxon. Live Killers from Queen, The Soundhouse Tapes from Iron Maiden, Magnum 2 from Magnum, Mirrors from Blue Oyster Cult, great album. Yeah. Down to Earth from Rainbow, shout out to Graham Bonnet for some doing vocals on that badass record. You know, my favorite one is... Not in the Ruts from Aerosmith, which is fucking fantastic. Uh, Into the Outdoor, Strangers in the Night. Uh, Strangers in the Night from UFO. Uh, Thanks, Mm -hmm. Kristen. Um, Unleashed in the East from Judas Priest. Fucking one of the best live records ever. Um, Bomber from Motorhead. Yep. Black Rose, which is one of my favorite Thin Lizzy albums. It's so fucking good. Van Halen 2, which is the absolute shit. Overkill from Motorhead. Love Drive from Scorpions. Thanks again, Kristen. Hmm. And then my favorite album from 1979. Yeah. Highway to Hell, ACDC. Oh, it's... That's it. You didn't say my favorite on there. Did I not say it? No. Well, it ain't in this list, then. There it is. Oh, Dynasty? Yep. Well, I did say Dynasty. Oh. You just didn't hear I said for Corey, Dynasty. Oh, well. I have a... Uh, me and Chuck are both just <coughs> off the wagon. Today. No, no, yeah. it's all good. Chuck, yeah. Kiss Dynasty? There you go. And Highway to Hell would be my second, for sure. My favorite song on that Dynasty record is... What is my... On fire... My record used to skip, and it would go, What is, what is my, what is, what is my, what is my, what is my, what is my, anyway. And, fun story, if you guys are interested at what a little Kiss fan I was when I was small, uh, and I still do, my hair is actually at the perfect length for right now. I'm an amazing looking Peter Chris. It's charisma. I look really cool dressed up as Peter Chris. Yeah? Yeah. Hell yeah. Should do it for Halloween. Fuck. I've done it before. As a kid. It's, it's Doctor's Charisma. Yep. I don't know. Mine's probably uh, Dirty Living. I love that song. Um, now, as a kid, any now, as a, as a, as a kid, my favorite song on that album was Sure No Something, the hit. Yeah. I really liked that one. I like Dirty Living and um, X-Ray Eyes. Magic Touch. Oh, that's such a good album. But, but Charisma was just... that. Yeah. Charisma is honestly probably my favorite Gene Simmons song. Yeah. I just really like that song. Corey can't wait. I think it's fucking hilarious. hilarious. <laughs> to set sail free. It's... But anyway. That's a good Peter Chris song. Yeah, it is really good. 
this movie is awesome. It looks really good. It is. We'll get back to the film. It's very confusing if you guys get into the title of it, and there's so many different versions of the title, but then the cut of it. The U.S. version cuts out 20 minutes of the film. I guess it's good we watch this. Yeah, this is, this is the pimp daddy. But it's cool that the U.S. version is in the bonus special Yeah, features. it's cool. And the soundtrack and loop it loops several remaining scenes to fill the time, running time. So it's, that one would be interesting to watch another time for sure. Uh, Maybe we'll do that. We'll revisit it with no interview. Yeah. Uh, the movie was released with various titles in different locations. The Seven Brothers Meet Dracula in the U.S. And Dracula and the Seven Golden Vampires in the Far East. And this one is The Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires. That's the UK version. That's the OG. Um, Roy Ward Baker, British director. He did several Hammer films uh, before this one. I think I already listed those, I think. Uh, maybe not. I don't know if I did or not. Yeah, I did. I did Vault of Horror, uh, Scars of Dracula, Vampire Lovers... Which, by the way, the, the vaults of horror thing are, are a behind-the-scenes thing. And yeah. actually, Scream has been adding these as special features to these to the, the Blu-rays. He did The Monster Club. Oh, that's uh, Vince, a fun one. Vincent Price, uh, John Carradine. Yep, 81. Uh, this is the last one he did. This was just regular film. This wasn't even uh, a Hammer production. but It was a, a made-for-TV mystery film. And it had Peter Cushing as Sherlock Holmes uh, in it, and then John Mills as Dr. Watson, so that's pretty awesome that they had that. Um, let's see. He did a lot of shit for, like, the on ABC and shit, like spy stuff with his directors. He did awesome. one called Foreign Exchange in 1970. And, you um, want to sell me on a made-for-TV movie? It's like tucking me in with a blanket and giving me a hot toddy. Yeah, these are all good ones. The Spy Killer is 69 on ABC. <laughs> that sounds awesome. It is. It was, it was, uh, the sequel was Foreign Exchange, so I was going backwards on that. But you got The Spy Killer and Foreign Exchange, and those are made-for-TV little spy films that this director did. And, um... He did Journey to Midnight. That was a made-for-TV horror film. Um, had Chad Everett and Julie Harris on it. So, you know who those people are. <laughs> I'm not too familiar with it like you are. She did uh, Reflections in a Golden Eye with Marlon Brando. That's pretty fucking rad. Um, she was in East of Eden with James Dean, too, so that's pretty awesome. And it was Julie Harris that's in that. So a little tidbit for that. Um, now the screaming starts. That's actually an Amicus film. Uh, it's a good it's movie. one of the anthology films, which uh, Roger Marshall did the writing for that. I think he did the OG Avengers, if I'm not mistaken, like the TV um, show. Yeah, TV love show. It. I love I that to... movie with Sean Connery and Ray Fiennes. The Avengers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that fucking. I got that fucking thing on Blu-ray. I love that fucking oh, yeah. movie. Yeah, so that was a uh, amicus. Saw that at the theater and got to finger a little poon on that. <laughs> on that. Uh, another amicus one he did was Asylum. It was also called The House of Crazies. Um, that had Peter Cushing in it. That's pretty awesome. And that was in... Uh, 72. Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde. That was a Hammer film. And that has uh, Ralph Bates and Martine Beswick. That was one, you know, Dr. Jekyll Hyde, whatever. It's 
pretty self-explanatory. I'm going to explain that to you. Um, you know, Vault of Horror. Scars of Dracula. Which, of course, that's Christopher Lee. They're about to put that out. I just pre-ordered it. It's amazing. I'm telling you, I have about everything. You ought to see all the Dracula shit I have. It's ridiculous. The film breaks the continuity maintained through the previous <clears throat> entries. Where, uh, whereas at the end of the preceding film, Taste the Blood of Dracula, the Count met his end in a disused church near London. This film opens with a resurrection scene set in Dracula's castle in Transylvania with no explanation of how his ashes got there. Although they might have been returned from England as a contingency by the young acolyte from the prologue of my favorite Hammer Dracula film is Dracula AD 1972, which is also on Blu-ray now. Furthermore, in The Scars of Dracula, the Count has a servant named Clove, played by Patrick uh, Trotton. In the third film of the series, Prince of Darkness, Dracula has a servant named Clove, played by Philip Latham, who appears to a different character. A different character. Oh, yeah, that's fucking awesome. Yeah, that's my favorite right there. Now, is that an actual... Uh, that's a Warner Archive. Warner Archive, yeah. Yeah, that's nasty. Yep. Nasty. Uh, let's see. The disruption of continuity caused by Scars of Dracula reflects the fact the film was originally told as a possible reboot um, in the event Christopher Lee elected not to reprise the role, but he actually did. So, um, It was the first of several Hammer films to get an R rating. So that uh, Scars of Dracula one definitely picked that shit up. Just came out not too long ago, so... Um, Vampire Lovers. Scars of Dracula comes out in like two weeks. It's amazing. I'll have to get it. Uh, it's, it's iconic too, as first of all, you know, to Hammer Films to get the, the R rating, so that's pretty bitching. Definitely hop on that for you horror collectors. Um, yeah, The Vampire Lovers was 1970. I'm jumping all over with the timelines here, but uh, this is all Roy Ward Baker. Those movies jump all over yeah. the timelines. These so. are all Roy Ward. Roy Ward Baker that directed this film so it has a lot to do with it um, this has Peter Cushing in it Vampire Lovers 1970 uh, it's part of the so called Karnstein trilogy of films the other films being Lust for a Vampire and Twins of Evil um, Twins of Evil I have. they're explicitly depicting lesbian vampire themes which you gotta love that shit yep so <clears throat> nothing wrong with that early 19th century Styria Beautiful Blonde which Kristen Holdem uh, materializes from Misty Graveyard, encountering, encountering the Baron Harthog, a vampire hunter out to avenge the death of his sister. And this is daughter, many years later, dark-haired lady, her daughter, Marcella. Hold on, that's, that's genius. Can I say something right now so we don't forget this? Do it. If there's a woman crazy enough to date me, and she ever visits our podcast... Even though this is thing with you and me, yeah, she will from this moment forward be known as Misty Graveyard. <laughs> That's pretty like fucking that. awesome. I have to write it down. You heard it here, folks. Uh, Doctor West, Misty it's in the zone mm-hmm. with this crazy. And the care of General Spilsdorf, which is Peter. She Cushing, will be my wife, Misty Graveyard. And his family in Syria. Uh, Marcilia quickly befriends the general's niece, Laura Pippa Steele. Laura subsequently suffers nightmares that she is being attacked and dies from gradual sickness, whereupon Marcilla departs. So if you guys caught any of that, just go watch The Vampire Lovers, also Roy Ward Baker. Uh, yeah, it's pretty fucking awesome. And he's won a Golden Globe for Best English Language Foreign Film in 1959. So he did a lot of good television shit for ABC and spy stuff back in the day, and he's done a few Amicus and Hammer Horror stuff, uh, which includes this film. 
So it, it was served as a reboot. Uh, this one, I think, too. The timeline continuity is not strictly adhered by the filmmakers in the Hammer Dracula series. Therefore, it is unclear as to whether this is the same Van Helsing that appeared in the original 1958 film or the relative. So, not really sure. Here's what's cool, though, kids. If you if you watch the U.S. cut, you're looking at two total different films. I just looked at the running time. At 78 minutes on the U.S. Yeah, cut. they cut out 20 minutes of it in the U.S. version. Just to make it kind of like a hi yeah. and it's over. Yeah, this one's got a lot of Which I think stuff. we might have to watch it sometime. Yeah, I'd like to. Because that's that. the version I know. I'm watching something that I will only probably saw in like DVD in like the 90s yeah. or something. Let's see. Uh, Chang Chi. Because Anchor Bay, this was the only cut you could get of this. Chang Che is a veteran Hong Kong action director. Worked on the movie, though only Baker is credited. He took over the making of the film after Gordon Hessler left it weeks before. Um, which, yeah, Golden, uh, Gordon Hessler did uh, a story reader for Alfred Hitchcock's Presents television series, uh, which is pretty fucking cool. Love it. He also directed several episodes of Hawaii Five-0. Love it. Amazing. Uh, he directed with veteran horror star uh, Vincent Price. He did his debut feature <laughs> as a director was The Oblong Box. I've got it on Blu-ray. Yeah. He also did Cry of the Banshee, Scream and Scream Again. Scream and Scream uh, Again, I've got Murders in the Rue Morgue, The Golden Voyage of Sinbad. Love it! Hold on, here's... Hold on, real quick. Golden Voyage of Sinbad is one of my favorite movies. I fucking love this. But what I was going to say... Um, rewind. Uh... uh Cry of the Banshee? No. Scream, scream and Scream again. again is streaming right now if you kids want to watch it on Amazon Prime. It's on Amazon there for free. Prime, hell yeah. 1970, Scream and Scream again. It's uh, very good. Kiss meets the Phantom of the Park. I didn't know he did that. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> That's fucking cool as shit. We got another Kiss nod. Uh, Pray for Death and uh, the girl in a swing. Wait, Pray for Death from 85? Yep. Show Kasuji, Arrow. I've got that bitch. Hell yeah. If you guys are any fans, I will always tell you to watch... Revenge of the Ninja, Ninja Three: The Domination, and Pray for Death. Oh yeah, those are nasty. And that is who. Those are real ninja movies. They're not like some kind of bullshit. Like he was one of the people at the helm to direct this film, but uh, he, um, I guess, got canned. He he left weeks before. uh, Now, was there a different director that did the U.S. cut? Is it considered a different director since it got butchered? Yeah, I guess that was a memory where Baker was already taken over and they had the final cut and they cut 20 minutes of it for the U.S. version. Because they've had about three directors. Uh, Chang Che was the first person to work on it. He did, like, the Hong Kong action films. And, uh, I mean, he's he's been doing stuff for a long time. But I'll just list some of those for this. Um, if you guys know any Hong Kong action films, it's just some of the major ones he's worked on. Um I'll just do the ones as a director. The Happening and Ali, Sa- Ali Shan, Wildfire, uh, The Butterfly Chalice, Tiger Boy, The Magnificent Trio. Magnificent Trio. I've Trail seen. of the Broken Blade, One-Armed Swordsman. One-Armed Swordsman I've seen. The Assassin I've seen. Golden Swallow, Return of the One-Armed Swordsman. Uh, the Flying Dagger, The Invincible Fist, Dead End, Have Sword, Will Travel. Yeah, those are some great, those yeah. are some badass kung fu movies. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Wandering Swordsman, Vengeance, The Heroic Ones, The Singing Killer, King Eagle, The New One-Armed Swordsman, The Duel, uh, The Anonymous Heroes, Duel of Fists, The Deadly Duo, The Boxer from Shang Tung, Angry Guest, The Water Margin, Trilogy of Swordsmanship. Uh, we'll just, I mean, the list goes on. He's done so much shit. Uh, 
the Blood Brothers, uh, Police Force, Four Riders, Man of Iron. Police Force is the shit. Um, Shaolin Martial Arts, Five Shaolin Masters, Fantastic Magic Baby, Seven Man Army, uh, The Naval Commandos, Brave Archer, Chinatown Kid. I mean, the list goes on. These are fucking cool-ass Hong Kong. You just need to watch all that stuff. It's always good and fun to watch the... You know, the, the Kung Fu stuff. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, the Roy Ward Baker took over. And uh, filming was hard as both Chinese and British crews had to work together despite the language barrier. So once he took over, it was kind of, you know, it was definitely a challenge for it. But got a lot of throat slitting in this film already. And there's a lot of good fucking action going on. A lot of fucking blood in this, too. This is great. I mean, you got... It's really good. It's just... I love that it's like, you know... There's a tie to this as well, and I'm not sure if you've mentioned it yet or not. So, some of the crew that worked on this worked on Enter the Dragon. Oh, really? Which was the last Bruce Lee film, if you guys are not aware of that. No, you are, Corey, but... Oh, yeah. Uh, The Legend of Seven Golden Vampires was a co-production with Hong Kong Shaw Brothers Studio, made in hope of garnering some of the Kung Fu movie market share. Michael Carreras later said this wasn't such a good idea, although he felt some of the film was quite good. Uh, movie, as I said, was released in a bunch of different titles. Uh, during some scenes involving roving gangs of undead, several vampires can be seen hopping up and down as vampires tend to do in Chinese vampire films. So, it's a cool mix of cultures in this movie, and it pays off so far from what I've seen. It's fucking beautiful, it's too. It's really cool. Yeah, and the print's amazing. You know, you can't go wrong with uh, you know Shout Factory here. Um, they made a Really old film look really fucking good, and as they always do. Um, I mean, their titles are expensive. Goddamn, you get what you pay for. Like oh, I don't, yeah. I don't have a problem dropping, you know, twenty something bucks on these movies because a, I'm never going to get another copy of this that looks this good. No. B, a lot of this shit's not streaming. Mm-hmm. So the U.S. DVD from Anchor Bay features both the original unedited uh, "The Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires" version and the later edited Seven Brothers Meet Dracula" version. So the DVD actually had these versions on it. Um, it also features a recording of Peter Cushing telling the story of the film with music and sound effects, which was released as an LP record at the time of the film's release. It's fucking awesome. Imagine getting that. I wonder if that's actually on the features here, if they have that. I don't, think, I don't think so. They're pretty tight. Either way, it might still be no, out see, there. look. Oh, yeah. Well, either way, it's got both versions still. They actually have a, that director on here, the... Or it's David Chang, who's uh, Z Ching in this film. He's got an interview on here. Um, he was the superstar on the Shaw Brothers Studio stuff, I guess back in the day with Hong Kong films, <clears throat> which he did uh, Vengeance in 72, Blood Brothers 73, uh, and The Generation Gap, which he won the most contemporary award at the Asian Film Festival, so that's pretty cool. So that guy's pretty fucking good and uh yeah there's an interview with him on here so that's pretty pretty sick yeah this is just a cool fucking movie it's got you know I like the blending of of the elements of everything and you know you got Peter Cushing just standing around anyway I'll I'll watch it any day I don't care what the fuck it is sure um there he is yeah badass and his suit he always looks dapper as fuck and you know this has got to be one of the last things he did yeah, it must be. This was what? Uh, I mean, you figure it's released in 79 in America. It's got to be, I mean, I don't know what year he died, but... He died in 94. But I don't know if he was acting past Star Wars, you know. Right. Um, I don't either. 
Let's see. But if you go by that that U.S. release, this was released after Star Wars over here. Right. So he did Star Wars in 77. He did Shockwaves after Star Wars. Which I have. I love that that movie. Um, We need to do that one. Yeah, we do. Touch of the Sun, he did... uh, You know what else we need to do on here? And I want to apologize that we've never done this. Because it needs to be done on... Phantasm, and I don't know why we've never fucking done it, honestly, is fucking, um, why can't I not think of it? Oh, uh, House of the Shadows is 83. That was a Christopher Lee. I've got that. Price, John Carradine. That's a, that's a King of Lober thing. Yeah. Uh, what was, uh, what am I trying to think of? Uh, Arrow put it out earlier this year, um. It's one of my favorite Chris Lee, Peter Cushing thing. It's not an arrow. It's not a. It's an arrow thing. It's not a hammer film, and I can't think of the damn name of it. Hold on a minute. He also did in '84. Uh, he did Top Secret. That has. I uh, forgot about that. David Zucker directed. You know the guys the airplane, and it had uh, Val Kilmer in it. <clears throat> That's a great movie. Yeah. So he did that. That was '84 as a Universal thing. That was the last film he did, um, according to this. Doesn't seem like he did any more TV stuff. Let's see, he did. Uh, he was on a BBC television talk show around. Uh, Look at see, eighty six. The Brides of Dracula. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I guess the last thing he did was that. Uh, what was that? Where's it at? It's crazy. So eighty six, he did the Biggles Adventure in Time. It's a sci-fi adventure film directed by John Ho, which did uh, Twins of Evil, Legend of Hell House, Watcher in the Woods, The Incubus, and most notably, The American Gothic. So uh, he did this British sci-fi adventure thing, and it had Peter Cushing in it, and that was his that was his final film role. So that was '86. Uh, was his last last feature film. So yeah, you know. Uh, but as far as Hammer, you know, he did a few after this. Um, but this is really good so far. It was a lot of crazy um, action. He's also in that Scream and Scream Again movie with fucking... Yeah. But this, he's just flying around. There's a lot of sword action. Here comes... Horror Express. Game. We need to do Horror that Horror Express, one. yeah. We need to do that one. I, I love that movie. Fuck yeah. The entire movie's on a train. I'm done. I think we should do more of this stuff often anyway. I'm fine with it. Yeah, it's, I'm this glad is, you're... This is really fucking cool. Here, Here's the thing is... is I just like the blending. If of the you're really stuff. into horror stuff, and you're really this is the best way I would describe hammer horror movies to people. If you can appreciate James Bond, and I mean old James yeah. Bond, like classic James Bond, then you can appreciate hammer horror. Yeah, and because to all me, stuff. if you don't like it, then you're just you're not cultured, and you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Because right. this is, I grew up on this stuff, but believe it or not, I've actually got wheelchair fucker watching some of this stuff. And yep. he actually really likes it. Dude, it's cool. And people are like, it's old and boring. It's like, have you actually watched them? Because they're very entertaining. Like, there's action this entire Anyone time. that says that is not into horror movies. Yeah, because it's... I love Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee and their, just their portrayal of the characters. And like, it's Van Helsing. It's fucking badass. Like, I don't like anyone else doing that. Oh, either. he's such a... He's such a... It's just awesome. cool. And, you know, I like the old Sherlock Holmes You know, Holmes Hugh Jackman stuff. only did that that, that that Helsing Van Helsing movie he did was because he was so obsessed with this as a kid. Yeah. He yeah. did it to try to pay homage to him. Yeah. And that's cool, you know? I mean, I don't like that movie, but hey, it's it's cool that he that he did that, you know? It's it's cool that, that he influences people, and he still does. And, and I love this. He's talking about... Uh, but to me, Cushing and fucking Price... Oh, that's the pinnacle. And Lee, that's fucking... 
That's royalty. That's the that's trifecta of horror for me. And Price being the for me being yeah, the man. He is like the man. he's you know, and, and Cushing is too. Yeah. Lee's third on that list for me. Yeah. But I think he's first as Dracula. Right. But No, Cushing's the shit. Oh, fucking he's so Professor fucking... Van Helsing and Vincent Price is more of, you know, he's the you know he's just kind of the face of You know a funny a funny story they, they, they tried for so long to get him to star in a movie with them when they were younger, do yeah. a hammer thing and it just never Yeah. Never happened. However, I will never regret that because I would not have all my great Roger Corman stuff that Vincent did with that. Which that stuff to me is untouchable. Yeah, no, it literally cool. is. It's so it's so cool. But this this movie, The Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires, there's so much action in this already. Now you got these undead. Yeah, it's not you know, slow at all. Especially a lot of Hammer movies. And I will admit this. You know, I like snuggling up with a blanket and watching them on, when it's cold outside. Yeah. No, this is good stuff. And when it's warm outside, because I'm just a big Hammer nut. But but some of the hammer stuff is very slow. But this is this one is definitely not. Yeah. Neither is the Devil Rides Out, kids. That is Doctor West's favorite Hammer film. And as much as I love Cushing, he is not in that. That's a but. But one of my favorite actors is in that movie, and and uh, and we'll talk about him right now. Actually, yeah. um, I will. I guess the first thing I ever saw him in was Rocky Horror. It was either yeah. that or Diamonds Are Forever. And I went back and watched it again, and then I saw The Devil Rides Out with my uncle when I was little. And I'm, I'm referring to Charles Gray, of course, but um, right. He, but uh, I'm actually going to see how many damn movies he actually did. But I love, love, love Charles Gray. Love him. Wow, he was born in August. August 29th. We're almost on his birthday right now, yeah. Charles Gray. It's fucking Just amazing. Just over it. We're on the 1st of uh, September. So, so let's, let's, let's just go through. And this is I'll tell you guys right now why I love Charles Gray so much. Listen to this shit. Died of cancer. That's fucking sad. Yeah. It's killed so many amazing people. Fuck, fucking cancer. Um, here we go. Devil Rides Out, 1968. What a fucking awesome goddamn movie. Oh, yeah. Um, and then he was in The Executioner. Uh, he was in When Eight Bells Toll. Diamonds Are Forever. Theater of Blood, which is a Vincent Price movie. Um, the Beast Must Die, which is a Hammer Horror film. And then Rocky Horror Picture Show. And then he did a bunch of other stuff, too. I fucking love Charles Gray. Oh, yeah. He's a fucking badass in that movie. And originally they, they wanted another actor to play him, and they end up getting Charles Gray because there's some uh, Mr. Skinless for you. Some Asian tits. Oh, yeah. Um, what timeline we got on that? Uh, we're at 51, 52 minutes, right on the money. Oh, yeah. 15 minutes, Mr. Skinless. I think that... Oh, shit. And the vampire in this that's Asian will forever be known as Screaming Mad George. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just because it just reminds me of him. We got a nosebleed. There's more, Mr. Skinless. We got a napkin or something. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, when it gets really hot and pressure, I get nosebleeds now. I'll be right back. Hold on. Ooh. That's well, crazy. 
damn way. He's got some, I think he's got some in his cabinet. Ooh. Just hold the phone for me. There he goes. Death metal as fuck. Get some nosebleeds going. I don't get them that often, but... It's not, like, bad right now, but it happens. Get the fucking weather going back and forth. Cold no, and it'll, hot. It'll, it'll fucks it, man. I'm sorry. No, you're good, man. Thanks. Okay. Hell, yeah. Still like a store closet in there. <laughs> toilets work in the castle of... The castle of Dr. West. Fuck, yeah. They do downstairs, but... We're in the morgue right here. If you need to do no, some wipes like or anything. Stomp it up once. Yeah, right. <coughs> like I said, it gets a little warm up here. Yeah, the pressure gets to me. I never did that my whole life, and then moved over here, and it gets pretty bad. Oh. I never got them as a kid or anything, but Ooh. but yeah. Sorry for a little delay. I've got some death metal hemorrhaging going on here. Now this movie's tight as fuck, and I love the adventure aspect of a lot of these movies, and just the lore. It. For yeah, there was, no, there was no getting on a plane. As much as that I always value these movies, but watching them and having the appreciation of them already coming before what we watch now, um, and even during the stuff that started coming out around the times these movies are still rolling out. Sure. This seems to me like the royalty of horror. Like, when you watch it, you're like, it this is. is just like the Indiana Jones of horror films or all these films. and. There's so much appreciation. And it's funny that you said that because this is the stuff that influenced Spielberg. And, and you could tell because of the locations, the mixing of cultures, just like how vast the lore of like all the stories are and how oh, far yeah, back. And the, the collecting of artifacts. Like right. in this one, they have that fucking that bat bling that yep. like they're trying to resurrect the seventh vampire with. So like those, those like fucking undead vampires are trying to get it. And that's why all these other gangs are fighting each other and... It's. I love the adventure aspect of these. And I always love the filming locations for all this stuff. And you know, when you're watching this, at least for me, who's an actual horror fan, you know, I watched some of this stuff when I was younger. But you know, it was few and far between when I was growing up trying to watch. Well, this stuff, TV. to be honest with you, wasn't really shown. Yeah. In the, but you know, uh, when <coughs> even when I was growing up, really, you know, right. But it wasn't uh, shown on anything. The only yeah. way to watch this would be to rent it or if it came on like Turner Classic Movie. Or Watching this and having an appreciation for early horror and stuff like that, this is very entertaining to watch to me. Because this is like, I don't know, it's just great. Which, you know, if you guys are interested, Turner Classic Movie starting this month in September, they're going to be showing a lot of Vincent Price stuff. So tune into it. It's uncut. It's 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 widescreen. Yeah, it's so worth it. High def. If you guys have never seen it, just... And Turner Classic Movies is usually free with most cable services, so right. even even if you've got something like Sling or something, there's yeah, usually a free app there. for it on there. So yeah. I've seen enough. Enjoy, you know. Yeah, but these are so worth watching, and people. There's any hot ladies out there, feel free to masturbate. Think of me. <laughs> watch you some Vincent Price stuff. Watch you some, as I claim to be his grandson. But right, well, you know, estranged. You never know. We'd like to think so, but uh, no, these are just so well made and it's classic stuff it's also really well the acting well in this stuff is not shit either it's incredibly well done yeah and, and you know I mean he's a fucking five star actor in my opinion he there's is. nothing B really about is. him and that's the other thing the transition to the hammer stuff to the to your Friday the 13th your maniacs stuff like that that you and also they loved. made it big but it's also still B compared to this these were like well those are those are so fucking amazing just because of the gore and stuff that's in they're amazing right. for other for other they're aspects for controversial right. reasons how they made money. here's you something fun I'll but for these share this with know, everybody these right were now. like award winning movies and like they're very like Shudder's got Hell Nut on there right now yeah and, and if you're 
you know, wheelchair fucker had never seen it. Really? Hell Knight? Fucking loved it. I thought he had that movie oh. for all I knew. That seems like a that's a lot, one of the last seems like a wheelchair fucker film because that's such oh a he for the cheesy movie. he fucking loved it he yeah it's, it's great right. I oh, love it's, it it's yeah which guys we did uh, our last not the, the interview before last emulation we had that set up as the episode we recorded it and then my computer ate it and it, it uh, fucked up so that was never do we never put, put it out on? I couldn't it's gone it didn't so we I, have to do that again when I went to save it it didn't so we should work. watch Hell Night sometime. We should, but we'll do it with another thing. We'll just redo it because I love that film too. It, it's a great fucking horror film. It's one of my. It's one of the first ones I watched when I was little. With Hell Knight. It's so good, man. And it was cool because the first film I ever saw horror was uh, Exorcist. Exorcist. You had like a handoff with yep. it. Yeah. And then I saw. I'm trying to think of the first few films I watched when I was little. I saw the original Psycho because my mom had it on VHS. So good. So I watched Exorcist, the original Psycho, with Anthony Perkins, and then. Uh, uh, oh, it's so great, dude. What else? Amityville Horror, the original. And then... I'm trying to think of what else I watched after that. Hell Knight, I guess, was one of them. I swear that was one of the earlier ones. Well, what's funny was it was... And, and Jaws, know, of course, I watched. You know, it but it was just movie. impossible. Oh, yeah, it's a great movie. But it was impossible to find Hell Knight for the longest time. Yeah. And that's why when it came out on Blu-ray, I went and bought the fuck out of that thing. <clears throat> Oh yeah, it's awesome. It's rad. I got the one of the few ones I actually have the fucking slip for. It's that one. Oh, um, it's a it's a it's a good one. It's a good movie. Well, it's one of the first ones. I guess I got it at Jason. If you need to go to can and like, yeah, it's probably. Do you want to you wash pause this? No, we can keep rolling for a split second. Well, you, once you go freshen up, we'll let the Mister Gorecross go freshen up a minute I'm going to take use over the, the reins here use the lavatory for a quick second please yes grab you another beverage but yeah I think my obsession with this as a kid was you know this scene right here with the bats like I've never been scared of bats I don't know why like I always thought they were fucking cool and in this of course you're going to watch this and think they're cheesy because they're not like CGI and stuff but I fucking love this shit man like as a kid and now it takes me back to being a kid you know and you got the Flying vampire, fucking uh, like ninja cats, fucking tearing shit up in this, and it's just nonstop stuff. And for me, the sets of this look like a fucking original Star Trek episode. Which anyone that knows me knows I'm a huge Star Trek geek, and uh, not J.J. Abrams Star Trek. That's not my thing, but the OG stuff and uh, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager. Enterprise, that's all my shit. But uh, animated series, uh, but yeah, but yeah, this is the sets of this because this this for me was like Hammer visiting like the uh, like like the fucking um, like the Ray Harryhausen stuff. You know, there's no miniatures and stuff in this, but it's it feels like those type sets like Jason the Argonauts and it just it Clash of the Titans. It feels like the those 1981 Clash of the Titans, but it feels like that era. It feels very cozy to me because of the sets, and then that's something that I don't I don't really get off of a lot of like newer stuff. I guess probably the last time was probably in the 90s, or early 2000s was the last time you really see a lot of sets and stuff. And when people do do it now, it, it actually impresses the hell out of me. And I I guess the last thing that I watched that I can think of, and I could be I'm, I'm not trying to just pigeonhole this, but I think one of the last two things that I watched uh, well, the last thing that I watched that I thought was just amazing and there's no CGI and stuff, well, not that I noticed anyway, was Us. 
Yeah, which I still haven't seen. Oh, so just ridiculously good, man. It's I'm, I I got to be honest with you. I I just think Jordan Peele is this really interesting cat, and I love what he's doing. I I think I think that movie's very Hitchcocky, and it's very yeah. It's it's very the way that it was shot is. I can't explain to you how that movie was shot. The only thing that bothers me is that you won't be able to see it on a bigger screen because it's it's one of those like watching that in the theater was really fucking cool. Yeah, you know, like I the the camera angles and stuff that he did are are, are really cool. I, I'll be honest with you, if I if I had my druthers, and I'll just go ahead and say this, I think Danny McBride should have went to him to do those Halloween movies. Yeah. Just for the, his camera shots, I man. His camera shots. When you watch us, anybody out there listening to me, I know you're probably thinking I'm crazy because I like that, but the the camera angles that he gets in us are crazy. Whoever the director of cinematography is for that movie is a, should, deserves like a oh man. <laughs> he, 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 he deserves a fucking beer, man. Yeah. But that that movie is I really like it. We're like Corey's got five on it. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the theme of the movie. If you guys have seen us, that, that move, song is old school rap playing throughout the entire movie. Some Oakland shit. It's Melinda's. It's. Uh, I don't want to get copyrighted. You, you, but you can't. You can't go wrong. You know. Uh, and just like you can't go wrong with this hammer stuff. To me, it's like it's it's all it's all intertwined, and it's it, you know. Um, I get, get out. I you know maybe need to go back and watch again. But I us I thought was great. Like I really enjoyed it. Uh, I'll have to check them out. They're actually coming out with soon. Um, actually, I saw it at Walmart the other day. They have a two pack, and it's got us and uh, the first one. Get out and get it. out. Yeah, and us. But us I thought was I I just really liked it. I have to check it out. You can't go wrong when you got fucking Tim from Tarrant America awesome show in it. Yeah. Tim Heidegger. Tim Heidegger. Fucking love him. He's such a bastard yeah. in that movie. He's a drunk ass. <laughs> He's just a drunk son of a bitch. Yeah, got some which I think is cool because he, he must be friends with Jordan Peele, which I think is oh, cool. Oh, yeah. Because they all did that. Like, we got some burning going on with Peter Cushing. Don't it's fuck like, around. Van Helsing will fuck you up. And he's got the golden... He's one of the golden vampires, I guess. He just Yeah, right. Up. They're... And they got the undead, yep. That was one of them. He's got to kill six more so they don't resurrect the seventh and get that fucking bat bling. Yeah, the, oh, they killed two of them. Oh, a minute ago you had the green oh, smoke when so you were they, cleaning up the green okay. smoke. So he's the, already smoked three of them. Correct. Three of the yeah, six. The green, the green smoke rolling and stuff, and it's just... And I like how all the little... Uh, the other undead vampires kind of scour off whenever their leaders get killed. Or uh, another interesting fun fact about this movie, I was reading some comments about this. Um, and I want to share this because he's one of my favorite people on the planet. I've never met him. Scared to. But another man that was very inspired by this movie was John Carpenter when he made Big Trouble in Little China. And you can tell. You can totally tell. You, you really can. Yeah. Even this cave stuff, just all the whole... There was so much lore. What will come out no more? Yeah. Just the whole... There's so much, like, come lore on. that he created it. out of it. Yeah. It's that. It's just cool, man. I like the mysticism and, like, the magic kind of stuff mixed in with horror and action. I think all that together is fucking amazing formula. And the horror films have always done that. Where it seems like, whenever I first started watching, you know, whenever these would pop up when I was a little bit older, um, I always thought some of it was, like, it seemed real, you know, this... Because I'm such oh, a horror sure. fan, it's... this old stuff feels like real history, you know, with like Van Helsing and, and Dracula and all this stuff. You know, it really feels 
like it's actual history. And it's kind of like the horror movie Bible, really, with all these films where it creates, you know, a mysticism and, and kind of like a, a religion out of it where you have all this old... This is like the old Bible of horror movies. If you're going to go and be a horror fan, this is like what you read and you and you watch to really get a feel for what horror is and you know was and is. And, you know, maybe I'm going on too much about it, but I think you know, these are the blueprints for everything. But they're more than blueprints; these are the fucking shit, and they're they always will be. You know, they're timeless classics. All this stuff is. You know, if you don't watch these or interest in them, I don't. I don't get that. Well, it's. I mean, it's not for. And I'm not trying to sell people on this. If it's not for you, it's not for you. But if something that interests you, definitely dive into it and see if you can get into it. But I also know. like stuff like the Sinbad films. I like the older stuff, movies like this, you know, 70s horror. What I'd like to do today is get your version of what happened. Oh, you mean the truth? Of course. Well, first, uh, just state your name and your occupation. Hey, Shen. Oh, H. Shen, bus driver. <laughs> Bus driver, uh, what kind of bus and where, please? Oh, tour bus. Bus for tourists. San Francisco, San Francisco Chinatown. Chinatown. Thank you. Now, now before we get to the meat of this thing, uh, do you at the present time have any knowledge of the whereabouts of a Mr. Jack Burton or his truck? Oh, God, will you leave him alone? Mr. Shen, please. You could be in a great deal of trouble. Half a city block explodes in a ball of green flame. Green flame! I mean, so all hell is breaking loose here. And there are people who say you're involved, that you might be responsible, that you're a very dangerous man. Now, if you're protecting Jack you Burton... leave Jack, Jack Burton, Burton alone. alone. We are in his debt. He showed great courage. Okay. Okay, but if I'm going to be your attorney, there are a few things that I have to know that uh, still don't make any sense to me. Like, um, you really believe in magic? In Chinese black magic? Yes, yes. Oh, absolutely. Are you still serious about this? And uh, monsters and ghosts as well, I suppose. Oh, sure. And sorcery. And sorcery. <laughs> And I suppose that uh, you expect me to believe in sorcery as well. Of course. Why? Because, because it's, it's real. real. How can I know that, Mr. Shen? How? Wow. Yes, how? Uh, help me out here. Please. How? That was just the See? beginning. That was nothing. That's Dr. West's uh, ringtone, they call it. He's a pork chop express. If you guys never got the the anthology thing uh, John Carpenter put out, you should just got this on it, like the redone version. It's so fucking good. It's like the best redone track he did. Besides the Christine Express, and I'm talking to whoever's listening out there. Like I told my last wife, I says, honey, I never drive faster than I can see. Besides that, it's all in the reflexes. True story about this movie. I literally... 
You know how bad I want that to just be the intro to this podcast. Like it's just like it's Jack Burt and Pork Chop. It's e- every every it's every like night. My last one. Every <laughs> night. So good. Every night in the mid nineties when I was living with this girl Holly that I was crazy about. I every night this is this is this was literally a ritual for me. This is before I was doing I was trying to get off smoking pot at the time and she was <laughs> she was trying to stay sober, so we were doing it together. But every night after having amazing sex, I would go in and watch original Star Trek at four AM and then at five AM I would throw my VHS tape in from Walmart of Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. I literally watched that thing probably every fucking day. And it never got old. Yeah. It never got old. And I remember it was it was the the summer of ninety five when we met because I had that first down record and I was all yeah. about that. And, and uh, the 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 uh, your favorite DSI record once upon the cross was out. Right. And I had fucking uh, symbolic. Which I drug her to see Chuck with me on the symbolic tour. But yeah, it's it it's funny how time passes. But like that movie is is uh, and it took a lot of soul searching. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't really know what my favorite John Carpenter movie was until I did this podcast. Till I was asked to do this podcast with Corey, and and, and it is, it's big trouble. It always will be. Um, it's they live is another one that's very, very, very dear, near and dear to my heart. But um, I fucking love Big Trouble in Little China. Like it is, it is the shit. It's so good, and it also shows that he can do any type of thing. And, and yeah, that's uh, honestly one of his best. Films and for people that interview Nick Castle that don't know what they're doing, you know, he actually helped create that as well. Yeah, um, he did. And and. So, you know, whatever. There's a lot of things that don't get to happen that, that should. And here's another like interviewing Michael Shanker. Thanks, Kristen. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. Here's a ritual here. Of course, I've got to go down. this whole podcast. And, uh, <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, <laughs> but, again... It pisses me off. The lore, the mysticism of films like this, The Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires, and a lot of these other Hammer films, and then... When you get to something like Big Trouble in Little China that you see has been inspired by films like this, and he still made his own lore and his own mysticism out of it. Can you not tell where he's into this? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's funny you tell they're all, but I I saw a little like tidbit where, I'll tell you actually who dropped the the ball on him was Cody was mentioning something about his his son was mentioning something about this movie. Well, you can tell. I don't think if this was out that that would have maybe happened. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's all, every every hand shakes the other, but it's... Here's some more undead shit. But the the sad thing is for me, like a lot of like, I feel like a lot of horror stuff has lost its edge. And I, you know, I was talking recently with one of our listeners, um, I won't say his name, Doug Dobbs, and... uh, (laughs) I really like those sinister movies. I do too, man. I think, uh, especially here's the thing I'll the say: the second one was rad. Here's the thing about the first one that I didn't like, but it, starting out, it was a lot of these newer films are really good, and then they try to make this crazy ending, and the ending they think too much about the endings of some of these movies. But it was very effective. Like it's a good, you know, it's a good horror movie when the soundtrack is like pretty much part of the film as like. You know, like Friday the 13th was with sure. Harry Maffredini. Like, that was more of what the killer actually was than the killer doing stuff. Like, the music made you scared. You know, the I mean, the thing. killer looks like Mick from Slipknot, but yeah. whatever. It's but, still awesome. It's but, rad. But going back to, like, Good Hitchcock movie. days, I mean, the music made the suspense. and it made, I agree. You know, it made the depth of the film, and it made it scary. And Jaws, shit like that. Um, you know, John Williams or whatever was fantastic at making, you know, making it part of the, the music almost like a character itself so 
Um, again, with Sinister, the music was very good, but also the scenes when the first you know bunch of the movie where they show like they were putting in the the reels for the t- you know for the for the and the, the second. Are one, you with me on the second film? Yeah, the the second one they showed in that film it was called Family Barbecue. Okay. Raunchy. Just showed them burning their own family alive, and that was like nasty. And is that the first one? The second first one. one. Yeah, it's it's good. It started getting really deep. Like it felt real watching that stuff, and then towards the end, it was just like ah, it's just kids killing their parents. Spoiler alert! But it, I didn't really like the ending, but it was very effective with the soundtrack and the footage of it was pretty nasty. And you know, the second one too was fucking raunchy. So yeah, those there's a lot of films that come out here and there lately that you know in the last ten or so years that are actually decent. You know and. Uh, horror is on the up now. It's never been this big in a long time since the '80s, I don't think. And it's, there's another golden vampire there. He's, you know, another big Hammer fan. And I was reading. I don't know if he likes this movie. Fred Decker is a big fan of this shit too. Oh, you can tell, yeah. And there was yeah, pro- they, he had that movie, The Monster Club. You know, probably got a little thoughts from that, and plus the Universal stuff. And well, you know, I mean, look, the, the whole things. the whole thing for me. But you with know, the castle stuff and the amulet, like that's straight up like oh yeah, Peter it's, Cushing it's rad, shit, dude. You know. There's a TV show that Warner Archive put out a few years ago, and I wish somebody would just buy this for me because I want it. Oh, that goes it's a DVD. It's called it. Wizards and Warriors. It was a show I watched when I was little. Yeah. But one of the main actors in it is the guy that plays Dracula from, from mm-hmm. Monster Squad. Yeah. He's one of the main actors. But that show was essentially like live-action Dungeons & Dragons. It's awesome. Now, I noticed lately there's a huge resurgence of people interested in Dungeons and Dragons and I guess it's from from Stranger Things. Yeah. I've literally played Dungeons and Dragons since I was a teenager. Yeah, I did too. At our elementary day. schooler really cuz as soon as I met Matt, we were we we were doing some type of role playing thing. And he would always try to get me to do it and I felt weird about doing it cuz we did like Vampire the Masquerade and some I other played stuff. that. Yeah. yeah. You know, and and and, and it's it's cool. So I like the Vampire if, one a lot. If if a show that I don't watch which is irrelevant, but if, if it interests and gets you interested in cool shit, go for it, man. Whatever, yeah. you know, more power to you. I get you. He's got this is the last three. I'm guessing. Of Here's the six. truth: if I'm alive in 20 years, I'll probably like Stranger Things then. <laughs> I, I see what you mean. I tend to discover stuff late because I can't. Well, people, I, I'm just kind of throat. I'm kind of stuck in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. I just am. Yeah. I have been for a long time, and I am know. too. Really, I've always kind of been that way. Getting, you know, I can get into newer stuff or stuff I grew up on, but you know, this stuff is better to me than all that. Especially this undead. This is something I found recently. undead. Made me very happy cool to find. It's the ACDC Let There Be Rock film. Oh, that's awesome! It's the last thing Ooh. that they I actually did. have. That I got it at the pawn shop. What that box thing? You have that? Mm-hmm. The Blu-ray? Mm-hmm. Wow! I do. Damn, you switched to Stella on me. Look at you tonight. <laughs> Corey's drinking all my favorite beers. I got Stella and Dos Equis for the doctor. For me to drink. But, you know. No, it's good. I mean, that's, that's my jam. That's what I like to drink. I don't get hung over off of them. Here's the thing. You get older kids, you don't get hung over if you drink less cheap beer. Yeah. The only cheap beer that I can drink that I don't get sick off is the... The low-cal... Which Kroger that's, has quit carrying. That's what I had last night. They quit carrying it. I got mine at... Uh, a lot of stores are carrying it, though. Target's got it. Where did I get mine? I got mine at Kroger. It was the one by my old place. Though. Well, they don't carry it at... Because I got a sixer there. I got they, the quit carrying, they quit carrying it out here now. Oh, really? It's gone. They got it where I'm at. It's fucking stupid. It's fine. I got it at Target. I'm good. Or no, I went to Walmart. They got it at Walmart. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Well, it's good. I, yeah. Fucking 
Didn't think about that. They're fucking stupid. Stop caring stuff. Wally World. That shit. Thank you for the, the low-cal Sixers. Yeah, that shit's good, man. It's a delicious beer. Good tall. But yeah, when you... These movies, uh, all the Hammer stuff for me is is all. What's cool about this is this: the later Hammer stuff is is fucking rad, and they're starting to put a lot of this stuff out. Like I just picked up, I was showing um, Corey a minute ago, uh, Horror Drac, or excuse me, Horror Frankenstein. I believe that's what I was. Isn't it Horror yeah, Frank- Horror Frankenstein. Yeah, and, and I, I love it. You know, and they're about to put Horror of Dracula out, or excuse me, I have Horror of Dracula. They're about to put. Uh, uh, shit, I'm gonna pull up my wish list. This is the good stuff. See the doctor's wish list. <clears throat> if you guys are on, um, if you guys are on food stamps too, you can get Amazon Prime for five ninety nine a month. <laughs> Just FYI, because <laughs> I am. Don't make any money doing this podcast. We try, but so Scars of Dracula comes out the tenth, which is really soon. Um, I want the Scott Valentine movie, My Demon Lover, which I absolutely love that fucking movie. Um, here's you some cheap goodies you can get right now off of Amazon. They're really cheap. The Screaming Skull is twelve ninety nine. The Vampire is twelve ninety nine. Uh, I also want to highly recommend Flesh Gordon has just been put out on Blu-ray. Hmm. The porn version of Flesh Gordon. It's amazing. Uh, well, it's not really porn. It's like B. Like I mean, it's kind of porn. You can whack it to it. <laughs> I did as a kid. Uh, you pretend you're the doctor and whack it to that. They're putting the entire run of the Jetsons out. That's amazing, really. Look. Jetson's a archive series. Wow. It's probably cheap, too, honestly. Yep. And then you got, this is the next fat, blue underground, three discers, two evil eyes. Yep. There's another one they're talking about doing. It's, uh, fuck. I don't think it was another Fulci. I was just reading about it the other day. Blue Underground's got a big one coming. They're putting out, uh, the New York Ripper. I know that. That one's out, I think, actually. It is. Um... Let's see. American Werewolf from London from uh, Arrow, October 29th. I'm really? So broke. Arrow one? Didn't I see that? I think I saw that. That's on the page. I put it on the <clears> page. That's amazing. Um, and you got the Scooby Doo collect. The complete Scooby Doo collection comes out Tuesday on Blu-ray. You're Blue shitting Ray. me. No. How much does that go for? Seventy-nine bucks. That's not bad. Really, it's not. I'll show it to you so you can see it. I need that. I need some fucking. I need the goddamn Scooby Doo shit. This shit's fucking hard to find all of. I try to fucking watch it when I can, especially around this time of year. You know, I like watching the... Check this bad motherfucker out. Because I grew up on the old shit. I had that Hanna-Barbera channel, so I'd watch all the old stuff. Yeah, that's bitching. 50th anniversary. Yeah. Might have to splurge on my new uh, living situation. To look, get... at, look at it. Folks, go on to Amazon and look up Scooby-Doo, Where Are You, the complete series. <laughs> it's edition. so fucking awesome. This is why it's hard to be friends with the doctor sometimes. He's like, here's your whole paycheck, Corey. It, it looks like the fucking, like a haunted mansion. It's got a giant slip over it. It comes with a little fucking Scrappy-Doo keychain. God damn it. <laughs> I got it. It's so cool. It's awesome. I fucking love Scrappy-Doo. Oh, yeah, it is Two Evil Eyes. It's the Dario Argento thing that he did with George um, Romero. That's the next uh, blue underground thing. God damn! What is that? Hold on. There's another one they were talking about putting out though that they haven't yet, but they were working on it. Um, I don't remember. Batman Beyond, the complete series on Blu-ray. You gotta stop. This is all stuff. Um, <laughs> I'm just being honest. I mean, yeah. Uh, and I think this is really cool. I wanted to mention this to you guys if you guys are into cartoons. And these are not Blu-ray; these are DVDs, but they're really cool. Universal Film Company has bought 
the rights for the complete He-Man. Amazing. And complete Voltron. Woo! No Blu-rays, you know. It's just DVDs, but it's still right. really cool. I that still buy them. I like put them out cheaper, in, though. Yeah, and they put out some really... They're going to look really good because they don't scamp on their shit. Yeah. Um, Devil Rides Out October 29th. Uh, I did order that Godzilla set. Did you? I did. It looks pretty damn good, man. It's got all that stuff. Amazon had it one day for 139 so I went ahead and did it. It's not bad at all. Uh, v, the original series. Miniseries is out on Blu-ray, which is one of my favorite sci-fi shows of all time. Mark Singer, uh, a.k.a. Don Coscarelli, Beastmaster, which I oh, wish like somebody v? would put. The original? Yeah. Yeah, I'm obsessed it's with it. It's good. Yeah, I think it's great. Oh, this is it. That they're going to release. Yeah, that. I've seen it. Oh, yeah. It's, well, there's a, the there, there's a Blu-ray of it out now. No, this, and this is for... Uh, Bastards this, out of stock. This but. is for our friend Phil Anselmo here. Uh, this was about a month ago this was released uh, as a statement, so some people will probably already know about this, but the next Blue Underground thing that I'm going to fucking take a giant piss and shit my pants over. They've recently restored films like Maniac, New York, Ripper, and Zombie, and they've announced their next restoration, Blue Underground, House by the Cemetery. Oh, that's right. Another three-disker coming out from... Uh, Oh yeah, that Batman Beyond. <laughs> I like that they're doing little tiny pops with them. I think that's cool. It is. It's cute. Uh, let's see. We just had our first look. This is from Blade Disgusting. Whatever. This was actually a cool article for once. Uh, we just had our first look at the that work stand in progress, is so bought. and it is absolutely gorgeous. Blue Underground announced on their Facebook. They added more info soon. We'll keep you posted. So yeah, next uh, after that New York Ripper, they're going to have the other three discs. So. After I had just bought that Lucio Fulci collection from Texas Frightmare a couple years ago, where it's got New York Ripper, House by the Cemetery, and, uh... can't think of the third film that's on there. It's not Zombie, it's, uh... It's not The Beyond. It's, uh... Not Manhattan Baby. Uh, oh, uh... Matt Harvey's favorite. Uh, oh, yeah! You have The Living Dead. That was the other film on that. Well, Torso, days. he fucking loves, too. But yeah, that's, but that's as a Fulci. No, 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 you're right, you're right. Favorite Fulci, right. City of the Living Dead. But that's on there. So, of course, City of the Living Dead was recently restored by Arrow, and it's only UK. And it was such a, like, pimpin' ass collection, and I'm pissed that it's a, it's not a uh, region-free. That was really pissed me off. But... Thank you to Blue Underground for starting to put out these three discs. And I'm going to have to trash that three disc and get the uh, separate ones of New York Ripper, House Pass Cemetery, Manhattan Baby. You know, it's going to be fun to just get all those. They all have the soundtracks with them, which I love. Um, and then you just saw that. I guess I was the last of the six vampires. You got the you got the little toilet bowl right there. Comes out and he's the Joker. Yep. <laughs> he just got stabbed, went into a vat of something. I want to also just throw my, throw my two cents on that's it pretty since, nasty. since I brought that up. It's got bleeding viscera, like boiling fucking, oh, just turned into a ribcage fucking, that's his fucking lungs right there. It's gnarly. They just turned into dust. So. That's brutal as fuck. Holy shit. Yeah, it's, it's. That's one of the golden vampires and, yep. That's why uh, Van Helsing's a fucking badass. Peter Cushion, baby. I love that guy that's with that chick too. He looks like some like 70s rock singer. And you think oh, he stands up? Who? He's like, it's that guy. I mean, seriously, as a kid and still to this day, do you know who I think that guy looks like? The, he looks you like Ashton Kutcher. Well, no, no, you got to think <laughs> young. Not, yeah, yeah, but it's it's. I just keep waiting for him to be like, sweet Caroline, oh, fucking Neil, Neil Diamond, Diamond. <laughs> fucking Diamond teamed yeah, up with Cushing. He's like, 
let's take down these vamps. Because I'm kind of think that's why they got him, because he's like a pretty boy. Yeah. That's the last one. Yeah. But he was like kind of holding out. He's the gong, gong dude. and He's actually Dracula. This is so fucking... That's fucking Asian Dracula. Dracula. Count Dracula. Chinese Dracula. He's a badass looking dude, too. Show yourself. He's been killing all of them too. I think. Doctor so here's here's another thing too. How think, can you how can you like the movie Fright Night and not love fucking all of the it. OG Van? Yeah, I mean that's, that's all. Of it. Peter Vincent is. <laughs> but Mr. Vincent. Yeah, Mr. Vincent. <laughs> but Mr. Vincent. Have we ever done Fright Night? No. We we I should I have it. I have the, the Twilight Time. Well, you know I've got the you new got Sony the new one. one. Yeah. So we I can kind of bounce upon. But yeah. And that one came with the but Mr. Vincent, it? yeah, but Mr. Vincent, and they in the hotel bar <laughs> they did a read off, and it was um, what's his name, William Ragsdale, and it was God damn it, it's late. Chris Sarandon, Chris Sarandon, thank you. Uh, he was there, and then uh, um, God damn it, I love the soundtrack. Amanda Beers was there, and they all were doing the lines. Even uh, William Stark with it, who's like that ghoul of like Jerry Dandridge. And, he did the table reading with them, and they were all just sitting down on the floor in this bar when they were doing a read-off of the script, and he was like, Mr. Vincent, like somebody did the, like, took over his role. Look, he look, he's like, show yourself. Yeah. Now he's back to the... It's fucking amazing. These movies are right because he fucking takes his ass out every Lee. goddamn time. It's goddamn awesome. Or it's not Christopher Lee. He's voiced by uh, that dude. We are talking about that. It's not Christopher Lee, famously, because he's in the beginning of the film, the Dracula... <clears throat> Forget who plays him now. I'd have to go back and look. But either way, it's badass. But I, I was going to try to say, I think Doctor Who took a lot of influence from this character too. If you think about it, man. Look here. here look here's the thing. Any, any, that is nasty ooh, looking. Saw some flesh peeling and eye bulging. Ooh. I mean, these movies are fucking gnarly, dude. Like you talk like about, even yeah. he's like, <laughs> you talk about OG rated stuff. Like, I mean, these look at are that. Gnarly. That's rad. Look at yeah. that. Oh. Special effects for this stuff got no credit. Look. It did back in the day. It won a lot of awards. But you look back now, these are like the OG gore stuff. I mean, this wasn't... I wanted just a shirt of that fucking Dracula with the fucking nasty. thing for where he's like... <laughs> no, they're falling out oh, yeah. where they're sunken in. He's just like... Now look at it. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, it's... That's nasty. The effects are so good in these films, too. People actually went back and watched this just to I bet that smells them. real delicious, Ooh. too. Watch it and appreciate these films. Like the effects are amazing, the cinematography is beautiful, the acting is fucking top. Isn't that crazy? His thing that he stabbed him with actually felt him crush the skull. It's it's fucking awesome. It's poetic. Yeah, like I said, that everything about these films are fucking awesome, and they're they're always worth watching. They're never boring to me. I'm a huge horror fan. I like this stuff. I mean, it's always a treat to watch them with you. I feel like I get to share something that I that I love, and it's. I hope I'm sharing that with you guys You're out there. Passing it down. This stuff is fucking so good, man. No, it's... this like that shot right there, that red in the background with the flame, and then you got him yeah. all choked up. It's, <laughs> it's beautiful right. cinematography. Yeah, and all these films are like that. That temple with the green hue I'm and there the get red. Drunk. It looks fucking that green. Looks like a damn Boseki beer <laughs> machine at the bottom. <laughs> that I was drinking earlier. There you and go. There, Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires. <laughs> What can I say? The, the whole film is just a blast. It's like watching a goddamn pay-per-view. Like you're waiting for the Duke out, and yeah. it's him and Dracula. And it's Duke Show and yourself. I mean, that whole thing, yeah. it's fucking... It's, it's Duke and out the whole time. The, the, the uh, you know, the van, well, we got to do the, we got to queue up the 
John and Don here now that we've uh, <laughs> if I can get that going but uh, we'll get the, the final thoughts here uh, so there's still read it by Warner Brothers thank you Warner thank god they made a deal with them to get all these movies out because I'm ecstatic to get all this shit oh, this archive stuff is amazing well, no, this is this oh, screen. This is screen yeah. But yeah. Everything else is handled by them. Yeah. Thank you, John and Don, for not being drunk like Chuck. Thanks. I was just like, not wanting to alter the future. Yeah. <laughs> but he, he did us in the second half of it, so it was fine. But yeah, uh, Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires, thank you, Doctor, for showing that to me. It was fucking beautiful. Cinematography's top-notch. The acting's always top-notch from... Peter Cushing and the likes of him and uh, you know it's just a beautiful film and it's entertaining the whole time it's a bloodbath there's a lot of throat slashing there's a lot of eye gouging there's a lot of uh, um, there's a part where a dude put his fucking two fingers in the dude's neck wound and fucking killed him oh yeah it's, it's, it's nice. and the undead look great like the the special effects in it are beautiful and the I like the undead vampire thing I like the lore of the story where they all had their own like bat bling that kept him, you know, gave him power, and then Peter Cushing, you know, Van Helsing was keeping the last one so they wouldn't resurrect the seventh vampire, and then Dracula was the last vampire. It's just it's fucking awesome, and, you know. Great fucking film. I was really happy we did that one, and for a good dude, you know, smear of destruction. The interview's great. He tracked my track of the new album. It was it's very personal stuff about one of the songs is about lost a friend on a plane crash, and it's just it's really cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love that movie. I don't have much to say about that. I love Glad any Teutonic Thrash Band is welcome to talk to me. I'm fucking thank you, uh, Nuclear Blast. Thank you, Corey, for letting me make that happen. And but yeah, it's I I love that guy, man. He and that's what he will hand you when we go see him. He's yeah, great. I bought a Stella for the. For He's great stuff, that. but but yeah, and, and it's a I thought it was a fitting movie for him too. So it's yeah. no, it's perfect, man. He's a fucking goddamn. Van Helsing a thrash why not <laughs> yeah he's he's a, he's he's awesome man he's a cool dude but yeah that record's great you guys should check it out uh, the new Destruction record Born to Perish it came out August 9th so it's been out so you guys need to fucking get it Nuclear Hope Blast two days records. before my birthday uh, if not you get it digital now do whatever you gotta do but, but support those guys and when they come over here in the US uh, definitely or you guys listening in Europe thank, you, thank our fans yeah, worldwide yeah great uh, tour check them out get that. their merch buy their CD uh, say what's up to them and uh, you know, definitely show them some love, give them your support, and I uh, thank you guys for supporting this podcast as well, and um, and things like this film, like uh, Seven, you know, uh, Golden Vampires. You know, it's it's fucking amazing, and uh, I'm glad that we have an outlet now where these films are restored, so people like me of the younger generation, and like you guys who like listening, can watch it and appreciate it. So, uh, oh, you got Stargate on fucking Amazon Video. Uh-huh. SG1's my shit. Yeah, I love it. I don't know why my things are. I was going to show you something. But oh, I that's so fun. fucking good. But yeah, guys, uh, enjoy the doctor's interview with Schmear of Destruction. And uh, stay fucking gory.
Mr. Vincent West uh, with the Phantasm Podcast, and I'm here today with one of my favorite people and one of the founders of Teutonic Thrash. I'm here with Schmier from Destruction. How's it going, my friend? Hey, Vincent. Hey, my pleasure. Going great. Uh, promoting your new album is going well. Everybody loves the new record, which is, of course, fantastic. And uh, yeah, looking forward to, to talk to you. We're so excited to <clears throat> dig into all things about Born to Perish today, and that's coming out uh, in August 9th, uh, and it's going to be with Nuclear Blast Records, and I'm so excited to dig in track by track with you today, man. I'm so excited to have you on today. Thank you so much for doing this. My pleasure. My pleasure. Awesome. And then we'll start right out. Uh, track one is Born to Perish. Yeah, Born to Perish is uh, the first single of the album, and we chose the song... Because it has this, uh, you know, it stands for the album basically. It has some really cool drum beats. It has, uh, has the riffs. It has speed. You know, it's uh, 212 beats per minute, so that's like the speed limit for it. Crash band normally, and uh, it's it's a great expression of the album. It, uh, that's why we decided to make it the first single. Uh, the song deals the local content. It deals with idol idolizing people. You know, either if it's politics. Or rock stars, or even uh, you know religious people. Right. So it's if, a, you idolize, if you idolize, if you idolize, it's just wrong. You know? And uh, what's there's a phenomenon behind this behind this mass moving uh, stuff, you know? And that's what uh, Modern Parrot is all about. It's a great and, uh, track to start the record off with. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's a little bit unusual to start with the title track as the first song, and you also. Usually I had, had like an intro for the first song, but but you know, Born to Paris starts with the little part of the snare. So it's it's a perfect way to introduce the album. Well, it's it's killer, and then with the addition of uh, Randy on drums, man, it's it's awesome. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's uh, they were such an amazing drummers. Also, some, yeah, some drum patterns and parts for the album. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm writing a, a lot of crazy drum patterns myself for the song sometimes, but it's always better when a drummer brings in the ideas, you know, because uh, it's a different feel, you know, and uh, Randy, of course, has a lot of experience, but a lot of great ideas. Awesome, awesome. And then uh, we'll dive right into track two, Inspired by Death. Inspired by Death is a. Uh, it's a song that was, when I wrote it, it was a very sad moment in my life because uh, it was in a week last year where uh, Ralph Santola uh, died. He was a good friend of mine, falling out of death and obituary and uh, ice earth. And, uh, you know, it came, it came quite uh, out of nowhere that, that you get very sick and fell into coma and everything. And uh, the same week also, I had two more friends died. So I, I sat at home and I was so sad that I started to write down some lyrics, you know. And I basically was inspired by death at that moment. I, I did something very unusual that I never do. I wrote the lyrics first for the song. Normally I write the lyrics first, then the lyrics. And uh, uh, it's the song turned out really old school. Uh, I really liked the vibe. I wanted to have a, a different beginning for the song. So basically the song starts with guitar and vocal. Which, if you did do some 
Yeah, it's always rough losing friends like that. It's it's a it's a great song. I did not know the meaning behind it. That's very a lot of heart behind it. It's I, it's a great track. I, yeah, it's it's always rough losing. I'm sorry, you know, for your losses there. It's awful to. I mean, I, I would I would love if somebody writes a song about me when I'm when I'm dying. You know, I think it's a, it's a good tribute to good friends. You know, and, uh, as we all grow older, you know, death is a part of life. So you start to confront it at one point. When you when you're young, you think you're invincible, and uh, when when you get older, mortality becomes more clear. Definitely, definitely. Um, and then uh, track three is Betrayal. Yeah, Betrayal is the second single of the album. It's one of my favorite uh, tracks on the album. And I think, you know, everybody can relate uh, to, to acts of betrayal. Uh, I mean, everybody will betray at one point. Either your friends, your girlfriend, maybe a good job or whatever. You know, it's, betrayal is one of the biggest problems of humanity, you know, that you get fucked over and people have sometimes no shame, you know, and uh, we do the videos for the, uh, for the song which shows the acts of betrayal in the video and uh, it's one of my favorite songs because it has a very thrashy, classic feeling, but even though the chorus is different, the chorus is a little more catchy and uh, I think it's, it's a good mix of uh, tappy changes, within one song without sounding like you know it's always the, the kind of uh, the tricky thing about uh, making a song like this is make the song out of one flow you know even if it has a lot of different ideas make it flow good and I think the flow of the song is, is really cool and we already uh, performed it a couple of times and it's just really great to play live also right it's a, another it's a really great track uh, the video is really cool too by the way um yeah, and then track four is Rotten. Rotten, yeah, Rotten is something that uh, had a different title before, and uh, but at the end I just couldn't help it to call it Rotten Core because you know I'm not an English native speaker, but you know for the sense of the lyrics, this nothing comes close to the expression Rotten to the Core because it really shows that somebody is really fucking mean and evil, you know. And uh, um, I knew when I wrote uh, the final song, the lyrics, and of course we would compare it to Overkill, but this is a completely different song, it has nothing to do with Overkill, it just uses the same phrase. And, uh, and for me the song is a, is a great song as a bass player, because it has a little more bass in there, it has some parts of the bass plays alone, and, and uh, the bass is a little more, more hearable, more audible in the song, you know. And it's, it's uh, one of those groovy tracks, you know, it has nice, nice triplet feeling that uh, grooves really well. I'm sure it's going to be a great live song. And uh, yeah, and you know, basically the, the lyrics are dealing with somebody that is really fucked up, you know, that is uh, rotten to the core because he's misusing others to, uh, to gain strength and to gain success, you know. And uh, that's... Uh, that's why it says in the first sentence, I am more evil than Satan, because yeah. I'm a selfish prick. 
you know. So uh, that's what uh, you know reminds me of a lot of managers and uh, people that are in leading positions uh, at this world at the moment. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then uh, track five, uh, "Filthy Wealth." This was basically the first song I wrote when I came back from for the South American tour. I had this uh, news uh, um, show, and uh, they were talking about how some some companies and some banks are making their money with, and they called it filthy wealth, you know. And I thought it would be a very great song title for a song because. It's fucking true, you know, a lot of people make their money in a dirty way, you know, but it's, it's accepted, it's allowed, but it's really fucking filthy. And, uh, and then uh, I wrote a song about it that had to be like some kind of punky, motorhead-ish, you know, whatever, something that has more of a punk mood. And, uh, and I, wrote this, I wrote this riff, this first riff for the song, and uh, uh, it's maybe our most punky song on the album, but the structure always has like, song with a certain punk vibe you know, like Total Disaster on the first records and, and uh, the punk moves will always be there for destruction it's always an important part of our life Motorhead was a, always one of the most important bands on the side of the band so definitely so the song is uh, it's always be also a very good live song because it's like really it's like a, a song that really shoots out of the band it's, it's very easy structure but it works really good that's a great track it's really cool uh, and then track six is uh, Butchered for Life. Yeah, Butchered for Life is a song that maybe at the first listen stands out the most on the album. That means people might love it or hate it the most on the album. Also, we knew from the beginning that uh, if you write a song like this, uh, it will be a little more controversial than the rest of the album. But it gives, gives a certain depth to the album because it has some acoustical parts, some more melodic moments, some some more atmospheric parts also, which is always, always difficult as a flashback to compose. And then we had a song called Recheck the Emotions back in the day, that in maybe six of the Mechature EP. And this song also had a lot of controversy when it came out because it was different and more atmospheric and stuff. And we wanted to recreate a song like this. Uh, now that we have two guitars again, you know, we could really add some little more details, you know, some melodic uh, part of solos, and and, uh, and also it's a song that we didn't care about uh, how long it's going to turn out. You know, sometimes you cut the song shorter because the stuff turns too long. And, but the song, we said, fuck it, the song is going to be as long as we want it to be, you know, and it turned out to be over seven minutes. But uh, it has all the band offers, you know, it has, it has uh, diversity, it has speed, it has... Uh, Aggressive, aggressiveness. It has also more of the catchy and the moments. So it's definitely, it's definitely a song that uh, will divide the people. Some will love the song, some will hate it. But it's also a song that uh, uh, shows destruction, showcases destruction in the right way. Right. <laughs> I, I think it's a great track. Uh, and then leading into the next uh, track seven is "Tyrants of the Netherworld." Yeah, that's the song that usually. Many bands would put as the first song of the album because it's maybe the most aggressive song on the album. It's, uh, it's the most fast song. It's the uh, most aggressive song on the album. It has this uh, like '80s Slayer kind of vibe, you know, that uh, that also destruction had in the '80s. And 
literally after after Bushes uh, for Life because uh, what you have to both stream songs next to each other and uh, I think it's yeah it's mental song brutal fast has everything in it that the right song needs and uh, it's gonna be life, a life crusher it's a it's a great track and and speaking of great tracks my favorite track of the album track 8 We Breed Evil yeah that's actually a song that's a little different and even though it's a, it's a, also a song that marches forward and doesn't let you breathe, it's really, it's really pounding really strong, but uh, it has this, uh, this certain groove. Uh, he, calls, he composed a song for Randy, uh, because it, this is a, a groove that Randy loves to play, that he's very good at, and uh, it makes it really like alive and, and really pounding hard. And we, uh, we added some, some elements that we don't, Usually had in songs, we had some harmony, some harmony guitars in the chorus, which makes makes the chorus a little bit more catchy and a little bit more metal, you know. And uh, so the song stands out from the rest of the uh, songs, I think, because it's a little bit different. And uh, it also has this uh, distorting bass part in the middle of the song, which is very crushing and, and, and evil. So it, it's a uh, it's, it's like a song that is different than the album, but it still stacks for destruction. And uh, I think uh, it's a song that would be interesting to play live because it's really relentless moving forward. I love it. I love that track. It's, I think it's awesome. It's just really good. I love the title of it, too. It's great. Um, and then uh, track nine, uh, Fatal Flight 17. Yeah, Fatal Flight is another personal track on the album. Uh, uh, because uh, we're talking about the Malaysian Airways Flight 17 that got shot down over over uh, Ukraine uh, a couple of years ago, and the investigations basically never led to a conclusion. Of course, they knew it was a Russian missile, but you know nobody got accused. Nobody wanted to risk a war, uh, but it's it's unbelievable that the passenger plane got shot down over Europe, basically. For me, it was unbelievable when it happened. And the other unbelievable story is that a friend of mine, a Dutch friend of mine, uh, had a friend on board. And uh, I saw those guys going to the Slayer. That was Exodus. They go to an Exodus concert on Facebook. You know, they put some pictures out. Hey, I've been at the Exodus show with my friend. He's flying back. He's flying back to Australia tomorrow. And he, but basically, he did is he pushed his flight back one day to go to the Exodus show. And he, he and this way he went on this fatal flight seventeen. He, he got killed on the plane, you know. And because I I saw my friend together, it, like, it really touched me and and it inspired me basically for the lyrics. And I remember that uh, the great Gary Moore wrote a song called Murder in the Sky back in the day. And I thought, why not doing a song about this this uh, incident, you know, uh, to remember the people? And, and I wrote my friend some days ago. And I said I wrote a song about his friend and about the photo flight. And uh, he was very happy about it. And he, he, he talked to the widow and also the wife of the guy, you know, was thought it was a very cool idea to be remembered in the song. And you know, before to send them a dedicated CD and, you know, a letter. And it's a special song on the album, I think. It's, it's very emotional also when you hear at the end of the song and when you hear this, uh, this TV host, you know, talking about the, the crash and everything it's kind of it's it's a moving moment it's really cool that you did that I think that's awesome um, I was not familiar with that that's actually uh, 
<clears throat> tragic. I hate to hear that 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 happened. Uh, I think yeah, it's yeah. Like, you know, that's a crazy thing. You know, most people don't even know about this incident. You know, it gets pushed away by the media because it was some very something uncomfortable to happen because uh, we were, you know, Europe and Russia kind of had had a good situation again. You know, the Cold War was over, sure. and then the situation was was putting was putting Europe and Russia in a big conflict. You know, and of course. Uh, the media and, and the politicians don't want to talk about it. They're pushing it away, you know. And uh, for me, it was you know, the song was a sign to remember this, and to remember the people, and to remember this uh, this cruel deed, you know, which is which is unbelievable, actually. That nowadays, this could happen. Yeah, so many things get pushed aside. It's it's tragic, really. Oh yeah. But that is true. I, it's amazing. That's a that's beautiful, man. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, and then uh, track ten, uh, Rat Catcher. Yeah, Redcatcher is a is a song that uh, uh, I had the title first when I, I was watching a, a news show, and uh, uh, the, 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 he talked about this this uh, expression Redcatcher, and I was like, wow, I didn't know it, it exists in in English because uh, there's a, a big a big uh, it's a big German fairy tale called Redcatcher. And it, it goes about this guy, you know, and his fleet, he has a fleet and uh, he's catching the rats, you know. But basically, this rat catcher we're talking about here is, of course, uh, talking about um, politicians and about the mainstream people that are following the masses, you know, the, this phenom phenomenon that we have that the, the standard taste of the people is kind of the weird one, you know. So they follow weird leaders, they follow also. In musical musical taste, you know, uh, the phenomenon of, of a hit, the radio hit, is uh, something that I would never understand, you know. Right. Uh, it's, it's basically the worst song, the most catchy song in the world, becomes the biggest hit. It doesn't represent the good taste, it represents the bad taste of the masses, you know. And that's what I'm talking about in the Red Catcher, you know, it's the synthetic standard taste of the masses, you know, and uh, that's something that's not my taste. And uh, of course, also has some, like, some political background, you know. And uh, it's, it's a song that uh, talks about brainwashing and about you know that you should have your own, you know, have your own mindset, be your own, be your own individual, think for yourself. And that's what the Red Catcher is all about. And the song is actually a song that is quite quite interesting for drummers because uh, Randy Black, our drummer, contributed the, the drum beats first, and then he wrote song on top of it we rearranged the beats but uh, but he had some very interesting drum patterns and if you listen to the song the beginning of the song and the main riff part it has it sounds like he has like three arms you know you just play all those toms <laughs> and snare at the same time right it's a uh, it's, it's a really weird drum beat and it sounds really cool and uh, and that's uh it makes the song very special and uh it's the last song of the album and then the song a bonus track of course but uh, we wanted to make the it is. It's a it's a great way to go out with the record. And then speaking of the bonus track, we'll talk a little bit about Hellbound. Yeah, Hellbound is a, a song from a British band called the Tigers of Pantang, which maybe a lot of young people don't know anymore. But uh, in, back in the eighties, there was the first wave of uh, British heavy metal bands that became famous, such uh, as Priest and Iron Maiden. But there was also the second wave uh, of bands that were as good. But they never really made it super famous, and one of those bands was uh, Tigers of Pantang, and they had some, you know, they had some changes in the lineup, and 
But they also had a very famous guitar player, John Sykes, that later on became a member of Whitesnake and Blue Murder. I love John uh, Sykes. He I think he's an underrated yeah. guitar player. I think he's so talented. Oh, fantastic guitar player. And, and this, this, uh, this special Spellbound album was a, an album that is totally by youth. And we never covered the band because it's, you know, it's great musicians and, and fantastic singer, singer John Devereaux, the singer they had at this time. Uh, I, I need to, you, you need to be sure what you do when you cover a song like this, you know. And I was never uh, brave enough to sing a sing a, a title of that song. But now this time, after we did a lot of covers, uh, I, I I thought I'm ready to to pay some tribute also to Tyson Pantang. It's a great song, and uh, it's the '80s. It's it's my use. It's, it gives me a lot of memories, and and uh, it's fun that uh, you know we have the chance to deliver some of the songs. To, to our fans now because it's funny that yesterday I did the interview with a guy and he was like hey tell me something about Hellbound I love this song it's so cool I said hey it's not from us it's, from the, it's just a cover version you know? I was like oh really <laughs> so yeah so it's nice to you know give the give the the new generation a little bit background information about the great 80s bands that maybe never made it I, t- I tell you, for me, uh, the Thunder and Lightning record he played on, good God, it's one of my, Thin Lizzy, it's so good. Everything he did was great. I mean, he, I love the, uh, the Tiger's work, I love the Sinlity, of course. I love the Blue Murder album. Oh, the Blue and, Murder uh, stuff's so good. <laughs> also, the uh, the, uh, the Snake work with him was more heavy. I mean, Whitesnake is a very bluesy band, but I like Sykes coming into Whitesnake. It was, it was, he fitted really well. He blew them up over here. You know, I don't think people realize that he played on that, you know, the record, the white, the self-titled record that blew up the 87 record that was so huge here in America. So most successful, most successful Whitesnake album it is. Yeah, exactly. And it's John Sykes playing on it. Exactly. Most people don't even know that. And, uh, he he made the, the Simplicity reunion possible also. He was singing and playing (laughs) And actually, that album and that tour was like outstanding. And he he, he he sang so good also. He really sounded like Phil, you know. And uh, I saw the tour was amazing actually. And, uh, yeah, fantastic, underrated guitar player. It's, it's too bad he's I don't know he's doing anything at the moment. He's not really doing much, right? I tell you, I yeah, it's I love that cover. You guys did such a great job with it. I I it's it's a it's a fun way to to. To go out with the record too, you know, because thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, it's awesome. And real quick, if if we have time a second, Shmir, talk a little bit about. Do you guys have any plans to uh, come over stateside and tour? Or? Yeah, we. You hear me? We have a little problems with the connection now because of the thunderstorm coming here. Do you oh, hear me? I can hear you perfectly. Yeah. Yeah, I just hear it roaring, and I think there will be a big thunderstorm coming. Maybe cutting our connection soon, but yeah, we are planning a tour in March or April in the States. Uh, before that, we're going to tour Europe and, and Asia. But uh, America uh, is on the plan. Uh, we're talking right now to different agents. I think it should be March or April uh, 2020 when we come back over to the States. we got to get together and have a beer, man. i got to come hang out with you again. Oh. oh, yeah, for sure. We'll catch up again. But, yeah, if you want to talk about any of your other tour plans, you'd like a lot of our fan bases in Europe. So if you'd like to share any of that stuff you can talk about, we'd love to hear it here right now, if you, if you don't mind. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, what's set up right now is, uh, we, first of all, in September, we go out with Overkill and with Thoughts and Magenta. Awesome. And, uh, 
and then we're going to come out uh, as headliners in February, where we're going to headline uh, and uh, we, we bring regional uh, band and X Order with us. Awesome. And uh, and one more band that is not announced yet, but uh, that will always be a great tour. And yeah, and then we're going to go to Asia and uh, to America afterwards. That tour with X Order is going to be awesome. That's awesome. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Looking forward to the new album. I uh, only heard one song, but it sounded great. So looking forward to that. Oh, it's amazing. Well, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to do this with me today. I really appreciate it. Uh, again, Born to Perish. Uh, Phantasm Fans comes out August 9th through Nuclear Blast Records. Check it out. Schmier, sir, it is always a pleasure. Thank you so much for doing this today. Hey. No, no it's my pleasure. Uh, thank you very much, Vincent. And uh, hopefully see you next time in Atlanta. Yes, sir. Brother, thank you so much, man. I'll see you in Atlanta. All my best to you and your bandmates, and you guys kick ass on tour, and I'll be talking to you soon. Gosh, have a great weekend. Thank you, brother. Thank Thank you you so much, man. Take care.